days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the live stream. It's a little bit weird today because we have no preview show. No preview show. Um, preview shows next week. So this week it's going to be a lot of Q&A filled. Um, so 49ers news and updates and we're just going to have a lot of fun. So if you have questions, be throwing them out the entire episode because we want to answer all of them and we want to get into this and we want to have a great conversation, Alex. We want tons of conversation. We want tons of great things. And you know what, Ant? Before we do any of that, and before we get any further, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're not subscribed already, hit the like button as well. Like the channel, like the video, help us out, push this content a little bit further, share it as well. Fable, how are you doing good, sir? And also, we gotta give some member shoutouts uh, to the new members who have joined this channel. Thank you so much. We cannot do this all without the support of the Cutback Crew. And these people are just going a little bit further by joining and becoming a channel member here on YouTube. Jason Hill, James Vega, Seth Siddle Mitchell, Coach Phil, love Coach Phil, Megan, David Vielma, and Robert Bielars. Thank you all so much for becoming members on the channel. Uh, we really appreciate it. They got those cool little light up green names so you know who they are so make sure uh, make sure you give them some support as well and give them some love cutback crew but ant let's get into this now because there are some news right there is some news coming out about this 49ers team um and with this group and what they're doing yeah um you know what are you hearing so far we we, we saw some some things happening right that the big move earlier today michael kendrick's being let go being released he's parting ways with the 49ers does this surprise you at all no it was it was inevitable this was going to happen they needed to go ahead uh, and make sure that he was he was gone. He was going to be on the IR for the 49ers. It's unfortunate. They brought him in. They wanted him to be able to compete and play that Sam linebacker spot. Um, but he got hurt, and he was suffering from an injury that wasn't going to allow him to produce early on in the season. And you just can't have somebody take up a roster spot that isn't on the football field, not when you have a talented linebacker group like they have. So I think they would have liked to have him on the roster this year and be able to use his veteran leadership and ability as a safety net in case Aziz wasn't healthy. But they don't have that right now, so they got to count on Aziz. And if Aziz isn't ready, it's either Marcel Harris or Flanagan Foles. So it's going to be curious to see what happens. We still got Aziz, you know, in the blue, don't, no contact jersey at practice. So he's not ready to go yet. He's still got the elbow thing. So there is a big decision still to make there because which one of those guys is going to start next to Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw? Because Dre Greenlaw is also nursing a little bit of a groin injury. So, Alex, I don't know. What do you think about this linebacker room? Any, any, Pause. You know, are you worried any? Um, pause. Eh, I wouldn't say pause. Yeah, I don't have any pause, but I, I'm I'm a little. I'm not gonna say I'm concerned yet or worried yet. Obviously, there's there's things that need to get worked out, and there's things that need to change, and things that need to improve. But we got time. We got some time. You know, there's there's still a, a whole all of next week leading up into the game. So I'm not going to hit the panic button just yet. Yeah, there's no reason to, really. You still have Marcel Harris, who has proven that he can play the position at a pretty high level yep. in the preseason. He's definitely developed, and where he's really good, and this is in case Dre is out, which makes a lot of sense, he could play next to Fred in nickel situations where he understands pass concepts and route concepts 
He'll be able to jump on things, get on tight ends, get on running backs out of the backfield, and close on them, and he's a very good tackler. He also creates turnovers. Those are things he's successful at. Where he's not successful is in coverage deep down the field, and that's not what he'll be asked to do in that linebacker position. So he is insulated in that way. So they could miss and match, mix match these guys um, to get the best situation for the 49ers at the linebacker position. Very true. Very accurate and very accurate indeed. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they address it going forward, right? It'll be interesting to see, too, just how Shair's progressing through this elbow stuff and everything else that he's been dealing with uh, all, all preseason long and leading, you know, now up into what is essentially, I guess, right, a regular season participation, doing things. Uh, but another guy, too, who is out not doing some stuff. We talked about a little bit about Dre Green while you brought him up. But Brandon Ayuk as well, dealing with some stuff still with the hamstring. Are, are you worried about that at all? Or is the fact that, you know, they haven't done something like activated, uh, you know, Travis Benjamin and moved someone else around, um, is that not concerning you? Because I think the idea is, right, is most likely Brandon Ayuk is going to take some punt return snap. Yeah, I don't worry about this at all. Because next <clears throat> week on Wednesday is when they start actual practice. This is basically a bye week for the 49ers. They're just getting in extra work. Um, so this is, this is a big nothing. If he's not ready to go next Wednesday, I'll have a little bit more concern. But I, I perfectly expect all these guys to be out there as they start implementing the game plan and executing and getting ready for Detroit. All this practice leading up to that is just making sure their bodies are in you know, the right positions, um, healthy positions, so that way they can go out and, and compete and be um, ready to go for this 49ers team when they so show up in Detroit and play then. Um, so this week, it, basically, if you miss practice this week, it's not a huge red flag. Next week is when you start worrying about it. Correct. Uh, Fable here asked a question. Are you guys, are we going to talk about Trey Lance's broken finger? Um, obviously, we're, we're going to get there a little it, it bit. It depends on how it's reported. Is it completely shattered or is it a bone chip? Or is it a hairline fracture that led to a bone chip? I mean, there's a lot of ways. Yeah. That, they're not giving a lot of information on what this actually is. I've heard chip. I've heard, you know, this is a bigger deal than people are saying. I've heard this is a nothing burger. As of right now, it's a seven-day recovery time from everything I've been reading. Um, that's what Kyle Shanahan said. You know, I was reading up a little bit on where the hairline fracture was that he's dealing with and, and what the chip leads to. Um, and as of right now, it doesn't seem like it's all that serious. It really comes down to healing, uh, which if you're going to not let him practice and make him sit out and just allow him the opportunity to recover, I, I think he's going to be A-OK -okay just fine. Also, the fact that this happened, uh, <clears throat> this happened at some point during the game and he was playing with it or dealing with it. I'm not too worried about his ability to, to throw the football. It may affect him in somewhat shape or form a little bit. But here's the good news, folks. It's a two-quarterback system, so you shouldn't have too much to worry about. Yeah, and, and what's the worst thing that happens he doesn't play against Detroit? As somebody, I, I'm sure you have too, has had a hairline fracture of a, a hand. You know, I had mine on my thumb. Um, I was on about a week and a half, so I was able to come back after that for full contact and, and play in football games. So. I don't, I don't know if this is such a big deal. We'll see what happens on Monday. I think, once again, the date to watch for him is Wednesday. If he's back on Wednesday and taking snaps, and he'll be good to go, then he'll be playing. But even, even <clears> then, <throat> the 49ers are never going to let, you on, let on that he's not going to play until his last minute. They're going to make everyone believe the illusion that he's going to play whether he does or not. So could he sit out Detroit? Maybe if they want to, if they want to be careful and, and they're you know, just being careful with it and they don't want to have him get you know, re-injured. Um, and if, if that happens, the 49ers can still beat Detroit without Trey Lance. So I, do I hope he's going to play? Yes. Do I think he can play? Yes. I think he can heal that fast. And if not, we're okay too. Correct. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I think we have uh, the things that we need, right? I think we have the things that are necessary in order for, in order for this team to have success um, with this offense and with this group. 
a look, Brunskill went in a little bit deeper on this quarterback situation with the both of these guys. Yeah. I feel like this is why you and I both have confidence. We've we've felt the Shannon plan was going to be implemented. They were going to utilize both of these guys. A lot of people have concerns, right, about quarterbacks coming in and out, the dynamic that changes within the offense. Daniel Brunskill went all in. He went super deep uh, when talking about the Shannon plan, uh, not necessarily in terms of how they execute it, but how they can essentially flip-flop in and out whenever whenever coach wants them to and it's not going to have a drastic impact on the offense yeah and fable before we before i get into the shannon plan he's wearing a splint you know like the the metal splint that you put over your finger um and they tape it up that's what he's wearing he's not taking any snaps or any or anything like that he's just going through the drills um but as far as this goes yeah daniel brunskill gives great insight into this but what he also does is give an answer that you can expect from all 49ers players and coaching staff at this point is Jimmy Garoppolo can run everything in the playbook that they're going to use for these game plans, and Trey Lance can run everything. What they're doing now is putting together a united front, so that way every single team they play has to worry about every single you know part of the offense, no matter which quarterback is in. That is part of what Kyle Shanahan did in his preseason game. Was he showed that there was no tendencies and there was no reason that you know no reasoning for each guy to be in. They could run anything they wanted, to, no matter what quarterback was in. We don't have those tendencies and you have to prepare for everything, yet the quarterbacks have different skill sets to prepare for. It puts you in a real you know, issue, a real problem, where you have to figure out the practice time and how much you want to allocate to each guy. That's also why the 49ers need to make sure Detroit understands that Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance are going to both play in this game. Doing that makes them focus on that and maybe gives them less time to focus on other areas like stopping the run game, which if they don't do, they're going to get absolutely destroyed um, so this is this is kind of the talking points that are going to come, but I like that Brunskill said it. He was very clear on it, um, but I expect this more and more as you hear 49ers offensive players talk about the two-quarterback system. Correct. Uh, I, I agree there, and Steven asked a great question here. Um, he likes the concept of the two-quarterback system. It's going to help Lance develop, but what do you guys think? Is it possible they should wait and showcase Trey in our first vision game since our first few games are cake, as Steven puts it? I like cake, Steven, but no. Because the few games are cake, it's actually the perfect opportunity to get him out there, get him some reps, get him some experience, and also really be able to practice this, right? Get opportunities to get the guys familiar and comfortable with the transitioning and the alterating during the game. But as you talked about, Amp, the nice thing is is that they're not really put into a box. Um, and Bren, Brunskill kind of elaborating that as well and, and diving in on that, may, it should, as a 49ers fan, give you some pause, right? Because if the idea is here is, well, it's predictable, right? Trey's going to come in and do these things, and Jimmy's going to come in and do these. No. that's what Brunskill's is stating the exact opposite of that, right? Which is, we're going to be able to come in, and it's the same. You can't come in and predict. Um, we can put different packages in, give certain looks, and do the same exact things that, you know, Jimmy would do with Trey, or vice versa, or completely go off script, off the rails, off road. And blaze a completely new path that you haven't you haven't seen yet. So with that being said, right, it becomes actually even harder to prepare because now you have to, you know, as Al Shanahan would love it, right? You have to play prepare for the entirety of the playbook. You can't nitpick the playbook or focus on certain aspects of the offense. And the best part is you take tendency, you throw it out the window. Now as a coach, you can't prepare for tendency because of the entire playbook's at his disposal. You can do whatever you want. And when you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan, right, who's an offensive-minded guy and a high-level thinking, like big galaxy brain-level offensive coordinator, you're not going to get a lot of tendency from Kyle Shanahan. You're going to get the exact opposite of that. When you expect the most, when you're expecting A, 
you're going to get Z. And when you're expecting B, you're going to get F. And there's no way to actually physically prepare for this other than cover as much ground as humanly possible during the week and hope you do enough countering during the game, right? And correct, correctly guessing when certain scenarios happen that you're able to slow this offense down enough to give yourself some momentum. You're going to have to guess um, because that is part of the offensive thing is, yeah, you can get into a rhythm and you can be completely predictable. And sometimes when you're completely predictable, the team anticipates you doing something else and the prediction ends up working anyways. Um, this happens all the time for play callers. It's like, yeah, I can keep running this play over and over and over. Um, Trey Lance run the same version of the same play in the in the game against the Raiders. And the Raiders kept waiting for Kyle Shanahan to run the opposite play, right? We've seen Raheem Mostert get outside twice on the same play because they were fully expecting at some point for Trey Lance to keep. So they're playing for that. Sometimes a defensive coordinator can do that. They can outsmart themselves. And an offensive coordinator just got to, you know, stick to his guns and do what he's supposed to do. Um, but the one thing that was cool that Brunskill said as well is the offense doesn't change. So it's not like a big difference no matter what quarterback is in. No matter which quarterback is in, they can run whichever they want. It doesn't change anything for the other players. So there's no adjustment. The only adjustment is between which quarterback is in. Um, so the quarterbacks have the adjustment. None of the other players feel those effects, which means they can still operate at a high level. Correct. I hear, I see, not here, but I see Jaden Hellman asking about Trey Sermon. How Trey Sermon doing? How's he looking? You know, what's coming out? Not a lot. Not a lot's being talked about right now with Trey Sermon in terms of his role in this offense. Uh, if you go to fantasy sites, they talk all the time about how Trey Sermon's stock is trending up. But if you watched the preseason, if you watched what happened, if you watched the way Raheem Mostert ran in that last preseason game, if you were at the practices and saw the team, you know, act actively at practice, you know, running through sets, running through situationals and things of that nature. Raheem Mostert is RB1, and it's at this point in time right now, it seems like a long shot. Raheem Mostert seems like the best running back in this backfield. Trey Sermon is going to obviously have a role, but if you were expecting Trey Sermon to come out and kind of have the impact, right, that Jeff Wilson Jr. had last year, that's a, that's a little bit much. This guy's got to get a full grasp of this system. He's got to get a full grasp of reading correctly, making the right reads, and operating at an NFL level in an NFL offense against NFL defenses. He's not quite ready for that yet. This is a very talented guy, but it's going to take him some time to get himself in that situation. And the bad news is, right, if Jeff Wilson Jr. truly is going to, is going to be on track for six to eight weeks out, by the time Trey Sermon actually potentially gets himself to a point where he starts to get rolling, it's going to get interrupted. Oh, I think he's going to get rolling early. I you think so? I, I think so, only because I think they're going to, him and Mostert are going to split snaps. Because you don't want Mostert to have a huge load early on in the season. So you're looking True. at a guy that's going to carry the ball, you know, 12 to 15 times a game. So you're going to look at Sermon to get similar touches, and then you're going to sprinkle in Hasty, you know, and Elijah Mitchell, and probably mainly Hasty at first. I think Mitchell's got some growth, but I think Trey Sermon's going to be successful, and it's going to depend on what team you're going against. Against Detroit, you might want to power the football up the middle a little bit. Um, Raheem's still going to have those big plays on the outside zone. But I think you can get Trey Sermon involved, especially in the red zone, where I think he's going to be a weapon. He's part of the reason Wayne Gallman's gone, because him and Jamichael Hasey can win in the red zone. So I think Trey's going to get carries. I don't think the yards are going to show up the way that it will, as you talked about, once he gets rolling later in the year. But I think his role overall will be in place, and the amount of carries he gets will be in place. I think they expect Mostert and Trey Sermon to carry a bulk of the weight early on in the season, and that will make it when, make it clear that once Wilson does get back, um, and I think they're going to stretch that out as long as they can. But once he does get back, then he can come in and kind of spell Sermon because Sermon is still a rookie that's going to be playing 17 games for the first time in his career, and you want to make sure he can stay healthy. So then that is when him and Jeff Wilson will share, you know, carries. And then, like you said, that'll that'll kind of, you know, dwindle it a little bit. 
But what we really need is Mostert to stay healthy because he's the one that has the most dynamic ability um, to make big plays. I agree with you there. Uh, and, and that's the big thing is my, the only problem with Sermon right now is his ability to operate in the pass game. We've seen him make a lot of drops. And I think I think if he had done shown a better job in preseason of being able to secure the football out in space and being a little bit better of a receiving option, his role would be bigger. And I think he'd have an opportunity to make a bigger impact. But because he hasn't, I think it limits his opportunities in terms of when you're needing certain things on the field because Raheem Mostert has drastically improved as a wide receiving threat and option for the 49ers during his tenure. Elijah Mitchell has shown flashes in camp of being a good receiver. And Jemichael Lacey's improved, but in all honesty, they haven't put him in a lot of situations in camp for him to catch balls. Uh, but we know what Kyle Shanahan thinks of him. And remember, think back to his first snap last year was getting moved out into the slot, yeah. motioned out, and catching a slant pass. So there are other guys on this roster that can operate better as a receiving option and threat than Sermon. So that cuts in and carves in a little bit to his role. But listen, he's always going to... Kyle Shanahan likes having rotational pieces. He likes being able to play all of his weapons and all of his tools. So Sermon's obviously going to have a big opportunity and a big role. And I expect it to be an even more more important role in short yardage, short down situation. And that's why I think he's going to play more. You, you brought up the short yardage because I think we're going to get less third and longs than ever before. Like we're going to that. get a lot of third and two, third and threes, which is prime time for Trey Sermon to be on the football field. If you're getting third and six, third and seven, you're right. That's when to Michael Hasty or Raheem Moster is going to be in there. Um, they're d- dynamic pass catchers out of the backfield. But I think Trey Sermon will be on there on those short yardage because that's what he can do. He can get those short yardage carries. But Kyle Shanahan normally likes to rotate two guys predominantly and then sprinkle in a third or fourth guy depending on situation. Just like you saw late in an Arizona game where Jeff Wilson Jr. comes in and catches the ball and gets a touchdown a couple years ago. Um, This is kind of what he does. I think Elijah Mitchell is going to handle the kick return game, and then he's going to have to um, work his way into the running back thing. He's a little bit behind because of the injuries, but he can catch up. And at some point, he's going to show people what he can do. He's dynamic with the football in his hands. Um, and so I'm excited about this running back room. And I think you're going to get a lot of a lot of good plays from Mostert, of course, because he's the most dynamic player on the field at all times. Um, he's the only one that can touch the ball at any point and, and take it to the house without any question. Um, and I think that is a, a cool thing to have in your backfield. Absolutely. And running the football is always going to be important in San Francisco. So having guys, different guys, different skill sets and different a number of guys to count on is important. Kyle talked about that as well earlier today where he, where he basically said just as much. It's important to run the ball around here. So I like the personnel that we have. He's talking about personnel. He's not singling out an individual guy uh, because he's going to utilize all of these guys in certain ways, certain shapes, certain forms. Um, so that's that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing right. at all whatsoever. Um, and look, I mentioned, I, I saw some people in chat talking about, did Gallman get picked up? He did. The Atlanta Falcons picked him up. Um, that's a great situation for Wayne Gallman because that that running back room is is duty. It is not is not good in Atlanta. I didn't realize how bad it was until until I started doing my fantasy prep. Started looking at the names, started watching some film, and was like, oh my god, that's not a great situation. Um, the 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 funny part is you picked up a guy in Wayne Gallman who is a really really good in between you know downhill in between the tackle box runner. It's fantastic. He's not great out in space. That's also kind of what Mike Davis does as well. They still don't have a guy who can do, who operates and functions well outside of the box, out in space on those outside zone like runs. No, they don't. But you know what? Wayne Gallman is a very good, talented running back who's going to improve that team in the red zone. Um, so I'm glad he landed somewhere. Uh, he was a, a Niner for a short period of time. I liked him as a football player, I liked him as a person. Um, he's no longer on the 49ers, so now he is dead to me. 
<laughs> that's how it works for ant see for me i have to i have to factor in the fantasy aspect don't care i know you don't but i do i will no don't get me wrong if they're not playing the 49ers i will cheer for him because i think he's a good dude correct um but as far as like keeping up on him on a daily basis nah i mean that's that's fair that that's fair you're not wrong and luke monica everyone uh, to cut back crew appreciate the love for the hat yeah. every once in a while yeah every once in a while you have the hat well i had it you did I, have it. I kind of ruined it. Uh, wore it too much. That happens. Started getting sweat spots and all that good stuff. Then, then she's dead. Wore it to work all the time. You know. And you just can't ever touch it ever again with that. It's just nah. it's got to go away. It's got to go away after that. Uh, look, uh, Kyle. Kyle made some comments on on his wide receivers, right? On on the at that back end of the wide receiver group. You remember specifically what he was talking about with that with that wide receiver group as a whole? Amp? Yeah, I mean, one of the first things he, they were talking about was Jalen Hurd, and and he was talking about the fact that he expects Jalen Hurd to be one of the five got five receivers that's active. Um, I think that is a little glimpse. There is, you know, some people that still think that he's not he's going to be inactive for week one. Maybe he will. Um, it's all going to be determined by next week's practice, not this week's practice. Which I think people are still, you know, getting a little worked up about him not being at practice this week. Um, the other part was about keeping a kick returner. Um, because in 49er land and especially the media, they believe that the 49ers had to keep one of these returners. And we've been saying for a while, if, the, if they can't produce on the field, if they're not better than one of the wide receivers, you don't keep them around. It's a wasted roster spot because those snaps, when they have to be in there to play offense, you're just not as good. And Kyle Shanahan said that as well yesterday in his comments was the fact that no, none of those guys, none of those return guys could beat out the players that are here. Um, I think there is still an avenue for Travis Benjamin to be the punt and kick returner early on in the season, um, being the extra guy coming up from the practice squad. We will see if they have the 48 active guys because you have one extra lineman and then Travis Benjamin, maybe he could do that. We will see what happens. It's not for sure because he's still in concussion protocol. Um, but to say the 49ers don't have options at kick return makes me laugh. Did we all miss Elijah Mitchell having two very good returns? And one of them was a great turn that was equivalent to anything Richie James did the entire entire preseason and the fact that you have Muhammad Sanu and Brandon Ayuk that can return punts. And what has Brandon Ayuk been wanting to do the entire time? Return punts. Um, so we're sitting just fine with who we got in the, in the, in the return game for a punt and kick. Correct. And, and the best part about all this is, is Kyle's talked about, right. And stated that he has a plan. He has a plan for the kick return and the punt return game. That's usually what he does, right? He schemes it up. Um, but he's talked about this, right? He stated it. Um, and you know with how the talking heads are and how these reporters are is Kyle Shanahan says something and then they're gonna have to do the exact opposite of that because you know what else can you do I mean for for God's sakes we can't forget that Thanos originally was not on the Trey, Trey Lance bandwagon at all whatsoever there now let's be fair a lot of people weren't on the Trey Lance bandwagon that's fine I, I, for, for example right I, I didn't like the idea of going all the way up to three to get him wasn't a fan of it I liked right. the talent but I didn't I thought it was I thought that you were giving up quite a bit for a guy who had some questions there at three but that's again that's my analysis of Trey Lance and that's not the front office's analysis right I think I think where we got it is once once we figured out they were going with Trey Lance, it was easy to get on board with whatever Kyle's vision was because you trust Kyle to make the right decision. Correct. But this is what's so funny to me, right, is at the time, some people, especially Thanos is the world, it can't, can't get behind the Trey Lance. It's not Trey Lance. It's Mac Jones. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they make the move, and now the comments are, right, because they haven't made the decision to go with Trey Lance as the starter officially. They're not going to announce the starting quarterback. Now it's... Well, he just doesn't have the, you know, if only Trey 
had that kind of coat. Imagine what Bill Walsh would do with Trey Lance. He just needs a good coat. It's all all the things that you had been talking about, right, leading up to this. Yeah. If Kyle doesn't make the decision, it's going to fall at Kyle. Kyle didn't have the guts. He doesn't know what he's doing, yada, yada, yada. It's the same thing here in the wide receiver room. You know, you have to make it. Remember, some of these people now that are stating we don't have a kick returner were the same guys who were bolstering about how Brandon Ayuk had to return kicks. But now that you've gone and made the decision, right, where Brandon Ayuk is probably going to be returning kicks at some point in time, and let go of Simba Webster, let go, right, of Travis Benjamin. Yes, he's on the practice squad and could be called up and could be utilized, but he's not on the active 53. Now we don't have a kick returner right. or a punt returner anymore, Ant. It's so funny how quickly the goalposts shift when you need something to talk about. It's hilarious. I mean, it's it's almost because maybe, maybe, I mean, just maybe, Ant, they don't have a clue about the game of football itself. And the worst part about it is because they don't have a clue about how football is played or operated, they have to just go with, you know, whatever is going to get those clicks in to keep people coming in and make them feel important and relevant anymore. Because, I mean, this is not a surprise to either one of us, the decisions that they made. We've been saying this from the jump. You keep the talent at wide receiver in the depth and you find a way to get those guys to operate as a kick returner rather than sacrificing a roster spot to get a guy who does specifically one thing. Yeah, Kyle's been very clear. You want it to be a wide receiver or a punt or a, a cornerback that's on your roster um, because you want that guy to be able to contribute to your team on downs, not just in the special teams area. Um, yes, there was a huge push for Brennan Ayuk to be the returner. It is a little <laughs> bit funny that now that he appears to be the returner, that now they said you had to keep someone else. And the reason they've done that is because they've doubled down on the fact that they hate Jalen Hurd. Right, everything is bad about Jalen or Jalen Hurd and Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, might as well skip down the street and and just take all the hate and apples that are thrown their way, um, potatoes, you know, all that stuff because they're getting thrown just nonstop. It is really too too bad that these guys are just hated on, and it's because they needed to, they needed to do that, right? They needed to do that because of some of the takes they said. They got to back up some of their takes. It's unfortunate. Just wear it. I mean, that's what I would do. If Jalen Hurd wasn't healthy, you know what I would be doing right now? I'd be wearing that take that I was wrong. And that's okay. You can be wrong. And it's unfortunate that it doesn't happen. But let's not let that get away from the conversation of 49ers football. The good news is Kyle Shanahan makes his own decisions. Kyle Shanahan does what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And we as 49er fans get to reap the rewards of those decisions because he knows what he's going to do with Jalen Hurd. He knows what he's going to do with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's going to be very successful. So the outside noise won't matter to this team, and really it shouldn't matter to us either. Um, even though these kind of takes go out there and they're kind of nutso, um, we don't have to worry about that luckily because we are in a land of smart 49ers football fans who we get to see in chat all the time, and we can at least understand football from its you know <clears throat> base premise and understand that this is how football works and operates, and the rest of the noise is just garbage that people use to talk. Um, we want to talk about the things that happen on the field, not the hyperbole surrounding it. So I, I love keeping it about the field and how these players are going to be used. Yes, we have to talk about the injuries and stuff because that affects on-the-field play. Um, but for the most part, let's keep it between the lines. That's where I like to be. That's where it needs to be. Yeah. Scott Royals here, great comment. People are overreacting to guys we lost to claims. Gallman, haha, Webster. We're lucky to be in a position to stress about fifth and strict sixth string safeties, running backs, receivers, etc. when many teams aren't even too deep at those positions. 100%. You know, the 49ers were one of the teams that led in, in players being claimed. Um, that is a good sign. That's how you know you have a very, very successful and good roster. You want players to be claimed. Unfortunately, would you like to keep all those guys? Yes. 
But this goes to show how good the talent you know, group uh, and the front office is uh, being able to evaluate these players and bring them in. The 49ers know, because think about who was getting claimed. Simba Webster, who they claimed from waivers. Um, Justin Hilliard, who they got as an undrafted free agent. You get these guys that are being claimed. It was the same with uh, the, the, the lineman that went up there. Um, what's his name? That went to Seattle. Undrafted, Dakota Shepley. Dakota Shepley. Undrafted free agent. Yep. So think about that. The, the, <clears throat> the talent the 49ers are finding in undrafted free agents. And don't let this fool you. Of the players that made rosters this year, what was it like at around 450 players from the that were undrafted made NFL rosters? That is a huge number by round. So remember that 49ers are finding these dimes that aren't even being drafted. That is why they're putting less and less um, emphasis on the seventh round. You can tell by their trades and putting more emphasis on undrafted free agents and then six round up. But this this scouting department is fantastic. It's phenomenal. And David Campbell, you're phenomenal as well. Thank you all for the hard work, guys. It is much appreciated. 499 Super Chat. David, we will continue and keep doing these things. The Cutback Crew makes this one of the easiest things that we do each and every week is putting out content, creating content, live streaming. Um, we, we love doing it for y'all. You guys are great. Yeah, we appreciate David for sure. Abs- absolutely. Active in everything and always leaves great comments. We appreciate it. Agreed. And James, you are welcome for the great laugh on the, the Grant Cone video I posted on bad takes. You're, you're welcome. You, you, James Vega is using PCC bad takes to its utmost potential, as is Caleb, as is Mon. Lots of people in the yeah. Discord, so make sure you hop over there as well because that stuff could get featured on Big Yikes, which is on Patreon. That had a great debut, a great first episode, and that was also a lot of fun that we did. Yeah, uh, James Vega also brought up the fact that the dude, the dude thinks Kittle is jealous of attention that Trey Lance has been getting. That was that was kind of the most bizarre thing that I saw. Where did it come from? Um, that I'm not sure. I did not get a chance to watch this video. I work was crazy, so I didn't get a chance to get into it. I didn't watch the video just because of the outlandish, the, the outlandish just I know. presentation. It, I was just like, I'm good right now. It, it's crazy it. to to think that because I don't really want to watch to give him that that satisfaction of watching but it is it right it does trigger that response that you want to watch it's like how, what how out, like what makes you think that what is george, the argument right? yeah like george kittle needs that attention if george kittle wanted attention he'll go show up on aew or wwe or something and get the attention right away he'll go to another commercial he's not worried about his star level like he, he's a star already um i think he likes trey i don't think there's anything this but i do think it's interesting that people are coming up with this stuff I don't. Sometimes I look at it. I don't know where they come up with it. Um, but if they're getting people to click on it, they're doing something right. Hey, they, they, even if it's wrong, uh, do your thing. I don't even know if that's wrong. And it's it's such a yeah. it's such a stretch that you know I, I'm just I'm I'm worried. I'm starting to get worried for Thanos. You know, like at some point he's gonna like just he's gonna be unusable taffy. It's getting stretched out way too thin. That's that's a lot. That's a big reach. That's a big reach. Yeah, he, and he's, he's not a tall man. He's recovered from a lot. Oh, he's taller than I thought. He's, he's taller, taller than he, Jack Hammer. But he, he's, um, he has been able to survive through all this and, and grow. So he's doing something right. Correct. Invoking emotion is something that you do to get clicks. Accurate. It's been a thing that news, that news writers have done forever. Um, got into a, a little bit of a, a argument online once before with a, a local news reporter <clears throat> who thought it was nice to bash high school players through headlines Very and said that that's what you do as a reporter. That's just the way it is. You sensationalize. Um, I disagree with their format. I understand what they're doing. Um, they need to sell papers. They need to do their job. So um, do their thing. And I think that's why it's nice to have an alternative like this where we don't do those sort of things. No. So we can present reasoning and facts and logic and that is that is the best way to do it, in my opinion. I think there's like-minded people that like the same thing. 
So there is an avenue and an, for everyone to be. Some people like that. Some people like this. You didn't this even, is how it goes. You didn't even need to qualify that, in my opinion, about the fact that we try and approach this from a facts and logic well, perspective. it's always my opinion. I mean, it's always, it's always your opinion, but it's backed by facts and logic and the idea premise, right, being that because we're being factual, um, you know, that it, it's okay when our opinions change because we can, we can quantify why we were wrong, right? When we're wrong and we own something – it's very easy to track why we were wrong. This was the thought process behind it based on these facts, this information. This is what ended up happening. This is why we're wrong. This is what we missed. And it's also great for us because right now when we miss something, we can go back and look at the process and then come and reach a different conclusion the next time around when we're put into the same or similar scenario. Oh, true. Um, look, Jaden, this was a great question here. I liked this. He said he's basically asking about the D-line depth. He wants to know if we think it was worth it to keep all of those guys, all 11 names that we kept on top of technically the 12th name, right, with Jordan Willis being on the exemption list at the moment. Yes, because we didn't really take a loss at any position. The way that they were able to maneuver, they didn't lose an offensive lineman that they thought they were going to lose. They were able to bring Brindell back because Maurice Hurst went on the IR. So they were kind of able to have <clears> their <throat> cake and eat it too, I guess is the best way to say it, where they were able to play some sort of gymnastics with their – um, roster and keep everyone that they wanted to keep. They still kept the extra DB to insulate them from Ombre Thomas, who's not quite ready. Um, they kept the safeties, the linebackers that they needed to keep. They kept all 11 defensive linemen, like you said, 12 with um, the fact that Willis is on that you know list, the exemption list. So I, I think they did a really good job. I really do. I think that they, they played it the way they needed to play it, executed it um, to a T. And I think it's going to pay them dividends in the future because that defensive line is the lifeblood of the entire defense. And having them out there rotating and continuously putting pressure and heat on a opposing quarterbacks is going to make it easier for the secondary. There's a reason why in the last two years, the 49ers are ranked overall as the number one pass defense in the NFL, giving up just over 188 yards per game. That is crazy impressive. And it only is going to get better because it's not done. So yes, the DBs are important but it's more important to have a fantastic pass rush um, than a you know corner group because a corner group can only cover for so long, but a pass rush can definitely cut it down in a big way. Very well could. It very well could. Um, longtime Niners fan also wanted to talk a little bit more quality and depth of the defensive line. How? Thoughts, educated guesses. How are they going to rotate these guys? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to rotate them because there's so many different ways that you can construct this group and how you attack and how you go about it. Um, you know, the, the, the great thing about D Ford, Samson, Ebicom and Nick Bosa is all three of them can be rotated on the interior on pass passing down situations. You can have all three of them out there and put them in different spots in different scenarios, um, whether lined up inside or lined up outside. We've seen times in the past, right? 2019 film, one of the film breakdowns we did on Bosa and Armstead. Um, you had literally Bosa, Armstead and Ford, all shifted to one side of the formation. So you had a three-on-three on, three on the right side of the formation with uh, D Ford opposite on the other lined up outside and a blitzing linebacker and Fred Warner coming up uh, up a B-gap on the opposite side of that. So it's just like, how do you how do you prepare for that? That was that year, uh, you know, when you didn't have all the additional extra pieces right. that you now have when Kevin Givens and, and the Contavious Streets of the world weren't developed to where they're at now, Maurice Hurst, in the position that he is in now with this group, Javon Kinlaw um, being a year removed from the 2020 campaign um, and not going to be having to play 90% of snaps. There's a lot of ways to construct this group. I'm going to assume there's going to be guys that are utilized in more of a run-stopping role, run-stopping scenarios. 
They won't be on the field as much during passing downs and passing situations. Um, who those guys are going to be right now, I have an idea. I wouldn't say I want to put a guess out there, though, because I'd like to see how week one plays out first. Well, it depends on who they're playing, down in distance. All that stuff plays into it. You do, you're right. You do have guys that are going to be you know, in there against you know, first and second down, base downs against the run, but that could change. If you have a big, a big sack or a big penalty and all of a sudden it's second and 18, you might go ahead and put in what you would deem your setup guys. You might want to have a different sort of edge rushers out there. That might be when you get Ebucom and Armstead in there together and you take somebody else out. Because I do think they're going to have to work Bosa and D Ford in. I don't think they're going to unleash them in full snaps early on, but they're going to be on in on third downs, especially third and long. You're going to see those guys in the, in the football game to put pressure on. So they're going to be able to mix and match this, but it's not going to be the same rotation week in and week out. It's going to completely fluctuate by who they're playing and how that offense is constituted. Um, depending on what that offense does, that is how they'll rotate. But now they have all the weapons to do so. You know on early downs you're going to get Ken Law, you're going to get Kerr, you're going to get DJ Jones. Um, you're going to get those guys on the inside to make plays. I think also on base downs you can get Arden Key and Armstead together. You can get that sort of situation. That's what I was going to ask yeah. you is do you do you foresee a world potentially since Samson Ebicom, and they've talked about this, right? The Samson Ebicom is your setup guy. Right. He's your setup guy leading into D Ford. Could you see a situation early in this year where Arden Key is actually the defensive end while Bosa's getting himself ready, is the starting defensive end opposite of Eric Armstead on first downs? I mean, the drives. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it depends on the – I don't know if it'll be from the beginning of the game, okay. um, but I think at certain situations at certain times, they did it with you know Deion Jordan as well, where he would be in there for a certain amount of time to give reps. 100% you want Nick Bosa to be worked in. You want D4 to be worked in. D4 is going to be a specialist. So don't expect to see him unless it's third and long or, or third down situations where you're trying to get off the field. With Nick Bosa, I look for him to be played similarly that way. I think he will get some base down work just because it's Nick Bosa um, and he can change this defense that way. But they have the guys on the outside. I think this is where they wish they had Jordan Willis because Jordan Willis could add to that as well. But yeah, Arden Key's going to be big. That's why when people would talk about Arden Key getting cut, it kind of made me shake my head a little bit because... I think they do have big plans for him. And the way he sets the edge and plays athletic off the outside, um, he can make a lot of plays out there with that wingspan and that athletic ability and the hustle that he has. Well, imagine, too, once you get Bosa back, right, you can you could literally have a situation where on, on a base inside rundown, you could throw Arden Key and Armstead on the same side, move Armstead inside. You could. Bosa or Ebby come on the outside with Kinlaw or Kerr or DJ Jones. That would be a very different look than some people would anticipate with this Niner. That's an that would be some would consider an odd pairing, but it's a pairing that would do, do something a little slightly different than what you've seen from this team in the past. And again, something else that defensives and offensive coordinators, excuse me, on the other team have to prepare for because, like you talked about, man, Arden Key on the edge, he sets not only sets a mean edge, he's just solid in the run game. Very rarely do you see this guy out of position or over pursuing. He takes really good angles. He's extremely athletic. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Kisarek does with this group going like throughout the rest of the season, but how D'Amico Ryans wants to go about attacking defenses with this front and with these pieces, because you can put very non-traditional setups, right? Putting guys in certain positions and get some, some very good results. I will be shocked if the first time that Jared Goff gets a third and long against the 49ers, which should be the first drive after two plays, um, <laughs> that if he doesn't get D4, Nick Bosa out there with Armstead and Kinlaw, and then they blitz as well. And they just go after him and put the fear of God into him. And don't be surprised if it doesn't turn out to be some sort of a turnover. He's going to be completely nervous looking at it. He's going to have flashbacks to 49ers uh, 2019 defense. 
Uh, and and that's what they're going to do to him all the time. Uh, there's D'Amico Ryan's is going to blitz more on third down, I believe, this year um, than maybe the 49ers have done in recent history. I think they're going to come after people in a big way. So it's it's going to be fun and exciting. And he has the tools. And that's the thing is it's like you know working on a car. You have all the different tools. These guys have every tool that you could possibly think of. Because I can't remember a 49ers defense in recent history as well that had a defensive line that were going to be able to stop the run but also get after the passer in the interior. Because Kerr, DJ Jones are very good pass rushers as well for big guys. You couple that with Kinlaw, and then once Maurice Hurst gets back, your interior defensive line, whether it's the zero or the three tech, can get after the quarterback in a big way. Agreed with you there, 100%. Um, and it's just going to be very interesting to see. I, I, you know, I, We talked a little bit about this before. I want to get your thoughts on the nickname for Mr. Trent Sherfield, handed down to him and bestowed upon him by the veteran Mohamed Sanu. Textbook Trent, because he does everything textbook, Ant. What do you think about it? Um, I, I think I'm a little concerned about this guy, considering the fact he can't doesn't know if a, a hot dog is a sandwich or not. Um, <laughs> if you watch Brick by Brick, that conversation is hilarious. I also do like that the team uh, completely played joke on him, acting like he never talks at practice. Um, and then when he gets mic'd up, that's all he does. No wonder you won't shut up. I get it. Uh, that was funny to me. I thought Brick by Brick was hilarious. Uh, with Sherfield as well. You get to see a little bit of that personality from him. But you know what? He's not wrong as far as textbook. He does do everything to textbook. He's trying to do everything right. This has got to be something he picked up from Larry Fitzgerald. He talked about how Larry Fitzgerald was very prominent in his development. And I think that he's showing that. And I, I really do. I think that he's learned a lot of how to do things from Larry. And Larry's very textbook as well. He does things the right way all the time. And that's how you get better as a football player. And that's how you make a living. Uh, and just to see the excitement he had just from Wisnowski flipping the field uh, is awesome to see. I, I think I think he's going to be a nice added you know player to this team. And you saw the way that the players were reacting to him. Uh, I think it's it's nice. It means he's already fitting into this group, and they have a nice group. So textbook Trent, huh? I, I don't know if I can. It does, I don't know if it flows that well, but I, I give credit to Mamasu for coming up with it. It's clever. It starts with a T. Yeah. He's also a T. So now he's DT. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it was clever. I liked it. Um, and it's it's accurate in terms of, you know, what Trent has demonstrated so far in terms of his understanding of the system and his development as a receiver, because you don't come around it. You don't you can't have the type of success that Trent Sherfield has had in the preseason unless, you, you know, your the way you prepare is textbook. Right. Yeah. The way you understand the game, how you go out there and operate with this team is textbook, because if you have basics, right, the fundamentals down. You know how to work, you know how to grind, you know how to learn, you know how to pick up schemes, you know how to prepare, you know how to do those things, then you're going to never probably end up in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, especially if you oh, have yeah. the skill set, oh, because yeah. you're going to always be able to understand and be able to have a way for Kyle Shanahan to carve out a niche role for you in this team, in the system. Um, this was a guy who we thought was going to come in and, you know, fight in the, the Kendrick Bourne rule, right? Be a possession guy. You know, we didn't see the over-the-top speed. This guy can't beat anybody over the top. We haven't seen it on film. That was the take from both of us, and it was wrong. Just flat-out wrong. Well, Cliff Kingsbury <clears throat> didn't show it. He didn't use it. That's, and that, that's where it goes. You can't see it if it, if it doesn't exist. <laughs> Very true. And that, that's, that was the, the – our point was just that, right? Is Trent Sherfield can come out and surprise us, absolutely. But as of right now, based on what we've seen, there's no reason to, to expect this guy to make this roster – and then Kyle Shanahan gets his 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 mittens on him, right? Gets his paws on him, and he's like, you know what, textbook Trent, you can you can get all these things done. Look at all these look at all these refined tools that you already have. 
let's put them to use. Like, let's see if you know how to apply them. And Trent Sherfield, boy, oh boy, does this guy know how to take the tools that he has at his disposal and use them. He's been phenomenal so far. And it's definitely going to be the guy that starts out there as wide receiver three, just based on the variety of different ways he can beat teams. Yeah, I, I, the whole wide receiver three thing, I'm still, I'm still on the thing that it's, it's all of them. I agree, I them, agree yeah. with you 100%. Yeah. Um, I did see somebody asking about Armstead. I think it was Scott Broyles asked about Armstead playing on base downs. He's still going to play defensive end on base downs. He yes. he really is, especially early on. You got the fact Bosa's got to be working. Hey, I don't know what his snap count is going to be, but I have to imagine it's not going to be like overwhelming. So you're going to want to work him in. And Armstead is good in setting the edge. Where he struggles a little bit is is with containment, with quarterbacks getting outside the pocket. That is something that still needs to be worked on. It's something that Arden Key's a little bit better at than him. Um, but I would like to think that the added players around him is going to help benefit him, but still very good against the run on early downs. And I think we will see him move inside more and maybe sooner later on in the season as we get more comfortable with how many snaps D Ford and Nick Bosa are going to get. It'll give opportunities. Plus, once you add Jordan Willison, because I think they're really high on Jordan Willis, and he showed that he's got a big ceiling. Um, so he could get in there and get some extra reps. And he's a guy that can also set the edge that will afford you the opportunity to move Armstead inside earlier than you can early on in the season. Absolutely. Megan with the 999 Super Chat as well. Big Niners time. about to have a 17-0 season. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Great content. We appreciate that. And I hope to God that you are accurate, Megan, and the 17-0 season is what ends up happening for this team. I'll never stop smiling. Um, well, they have, to they have to win that Super Bowl. If that happens, they have to win that Super Bowl or we become the Patriots. Don't, don't say it. Why would you do that? Why on, would you go there? Justin Obi asked this a little bit earlier as well. Will the defense be better than 2019? No Buckner or Sherman. He wants to hear our opinion on it. Yeah, if, if, you, if you were just going on playing name value, you wouldn't think so. But we've went over this before. Jason Verrett is an improvement over Richard Sherman from, from 2019. 2019. He was coming off the Achilles, um, number one. Number two is Jason Verrett can run man coverage, and he can do all of that. Where Richard Sherman is pigeonholed into running the cover three. Since he was stuck in that, you were stuck in it. And you saw that kind of bite the 49ers once they got to the playoffs, and especially once they got to Kansas City, where they couldn't run man coverage on third downs to go ahead and get off the football field. Um, late in that game, that was big, and that really hurt. Um, that's number one. Do I love Richard Sherman? Yes. I think Richard Sherman was great for us, and he was impactful. I just think Jason Verrett's a little bit of improvement because it helps us in the scheme in that category. Plus, he's just a really good player. When it comes to Buckner, you don't have anyone that's going to be able to play to Buckner's level right now. However, what you have is more depth because you don't have that salary anymore. And you would have had to pay him a huge salary to be on the team. Could you have done the Armstead thing? Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Because if you keep Buckner, you can't trade Armstead for a first-round pick, which means you can't get Kinlaw. So now you have Kinlaw because you traded Buckner. And Kinlaw, Kerr, and all these guys are going to be better against the run, especially than Buckner. Will we lose a little bit in the past? Yes. But we've added extra weapons on the outside. Improvement from Nick Bosa, D Ford's back, Samson Ebucom. These guys coming off the edge. I think overall, depth-wise, the defense is just a little bit better. Correct. I, I I think overall it's better, right? Fred Warner slightly better than well, not slightly, but he's a better version of oh, who yeah. he was in 2019. Dre Greenlaw at this point in time is a better version of Quan Ale K1 Alexander, right? Quan Alexander, block is hot. Our dude, there, our boy. Um, Dre Greenlaw is a better version of what he was in 2019 right. at this point. The question now becomes is who is that third linebacker? Can can Al Shire right be what Dre Greenlaw was at the start of that year before he kind of develops into his own? 
I don't know if that's the case, but the Niners are also shifting their defensive scheme this year. You don't have to rely on that third linebacker, per se, in order to be out there doing the type of things. The Niners may run more nickel this year, so a guy like Marcel Harris can play in the box and do a little bit better. You're going to have Shark out there doing more things for this team. Um, you know, Emmanuel Mosley is definitely better than the version of Emmanuel Mosley we got in 2018 right. at this point in time. So this team overall is deeper. It's improved in certain areas. There are certain areas of weakness that you can have questions about. But overall, I'd say this team has – if you ask me right now, is this team better than the 2019 defensive team? I have to be – the answer has to be no because we haven't played the season out, right? We know what that 2019 defense ended up being in its entirety. Does this team have more potential than the 2019 defense to be better overall? Yes. More pieces, more depth, more ways to operate, more ways to confuse defenses, and you have a defensive coordinator who's going to be even more aggressive. Uh, I think that bodes well for the 49ers. It really does. I think overall, I, I like where the roster sits. I like schematically the things that they're going to be able to do with the personnel that they have. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they attack Detroit in a, just you know a little over a week. I agree with you there. Uh, Resk, had at, Resk, uh, Resk 5, 4, Resk 4 asked, was Trey worth three first-round picks? Then we had some back-and-forth Gabriel Clark going, it was only two first-round picks. Um, look, it's way too early to say anything about Trey Lance whatsoever at all in terms of his development, where he's at, etc. I always felt like Trey Lance, uh, my personal opinion at that time, right, was that we gave up a lot for a guy that I didn't think was going to be ready to come in day one, start, play, and for us to have success with him starting and playing. That being said, it's now official. The Shannon plan is what's happening. So if this was your plan all along was to bring this guy in, use him sporadically, situationally in certain opportunities, utilize his strengths, the things he does now, get him exposed to the NFL game while also still giving your team the best chance to, to win and compete for a Super Bowl by having not just Trey out there, but Jimmy out there who can operate your offense at a high level as well, then I'm all good with it. And I think it's trending in the right direction. Trey needs time, though, before we can make any sort of decisions on bust, you know, home run, whatever it is. Right now, everything's trending in the right direction. It just needs to stay continuing down this path, and everything will be just fine. 49ers fans won't have to panic or worry at all. Yeah, let's let him take an NFL snap in a regular season game before we decide if he's a bust or not. Thank you. Um, I think there's, you know, it's going to be a long time before we know this, but really what it comes down to is it has less to do with his, his performance and more to do with him winning a Super Bowl. If he wins a Super Bowl in his time with the 49ers, then yes, it was worth giving up those picks. If he doesn't, um, then it's another question. But um, I was an advocate for them trading up. I said they were going to trade up to you know make a draft pick for a quarterback, and they did it. Um, so I'm not going to go ahead and second-guess myself and what I thought that they were ultimately going to do. So I'm sticking with this. Um, and, and Trey just needs time to develop. And once he plays regular season games and he starts playing and we get a couple years down the road, then we'll know if he was worth you know making, making that move and giving up all that draft capital. Absolutely, it'll that'll definitely be the thing. Uh, what was I saying here? Oh, Lou, wait, <clears throat> didn't say anything about was he worth it? Just what they gave up. Oh, I wasn't. It wasn't your question, Lou, that I was that I was talking about. Um, and and it's just, you know, you're gonna give up what you're gonna give up when you think that this is a quarterback who can change the way that you approach the game of offense. And that's how Kyle Shanahan views Trey Lance. Right. Tyler Menting talked about this when we brought him on um, his video about this, talked about it. You know, the Niners went nuclear. Kyle Shanahan's going nuclear. Um, he's trying to recapture what that Atlanta Falcons offense did during that Super Bowl run in the pre in the season leading up to it. Right. The, the numbers they put up, the gaudy amount of points that they scored, um, you know, those types of things as an O coordinator. 
those things make you very hard as as a team when you're playing against a team that has an offense like that the capability to score on a whim whenever they want on any given play in the run game in the pass game vertically down the sideline up the middle of the field short routes that turn into big plays reverses things of that nature yeah you become so dynamic and so hard to contain offensively that if your defense is playing an elite level you you force your opponent has to play an a plus game every time they play you because if your offense isn't clicking your defense can pick up and and make up for that fact if your offense is clicking your defense doesn't have to be perfect if you have a team that functions and operates at that high of a level your a game could still be right only one side of the football playing at its peak potential and the other side you know just having a down day and you're still playing better than everyone else in the league which means you're forcing a team to play perfect maybe not actually perfect but dang near close to perfect as possible on both sides of the football Kyle Shanahan realized in 2020 that he had you have a quarterback that could win football games if needed um he needed somebody that could change the game and anytime you have an opportunity to get somebody who he perceives um, could be on that level of one of these elite quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, at least they could develop that way someday, then you give up what you need. I don't think anyone blinks an eye if the 49ers give up three first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. So if Trey Lance ultimately turns into something, no one blinks an eye at it. Um, he saw an opportunity to get a quarterback that he fell in love with, somebody that he thinks can run his system to the peak of its ability, and he went out there and he went after it. And I think I like some guys that go for it sometimes. Sometimes it's okay to swing at the first pitch, um, you know, and when the when the you know pitcher's been a little while, go ahead and swing anyways. Um, I like that. I like the aggressiveness. Sometimes you got to take a chance. He knows if he if he hits on this, it's big time for him. And it's big time for the 49ers, and if he misses, um, he's going to be looking for a new job eventually. But sometimes you just have to go for it. So, I mean, you make the move, you live with it, and you see if you have the development skills to be able to develop <clears throat> Trey Lance into one of those great quarterbacks. And if he did, 49ers are going to be relevant and in the mix for years to come. Agreed. And, you, you, right, you bet on yourself, you bet on your team. Uh, that's what you're supposed to do as a coach. Um, Megan, this was a great question here from you. I, I, I liked this one here. What, uh, who do you guys think the toughest defense that the Niners are going to f- face for Jimmy and Trey during the regular season? Let's see. Toughest defense. Um, so you got, right, you got Lions week one, Eagles no, week two, no, Packers week three, no, Seahawks week four, no, Cardinals week five, no, Colts week six. Consideration. I will, I will say the Colts are one of them that is, at least will, but also the Cardinals, depending on what happens at the linebacker position for them. I know Zavin got arrested, um, you said. Um, so I think, but they have the speed to be able to kind of disrupt what the 49ers want to do with their dual quarterback system. The fact that you have Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins in that linebacker group, you have Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt being able to rush, their weakness is in the secondary. So if the 49ers can go ahead and block them, you know, and, and hold that defensive line um, out of the pocket, keep clean pockets for Jimmy Garoppolo, he'll be able to win. Um, but they, I think, have a decent chance. They have probably have a, a weird matchup issue with the 49ers because they also have Buda Baker uh, to go against George Kittle. So it is interesting. That's one time the wide receivers are going to have to win battles. So I would say Arizona is a weird matchup for the 49ers when you look at personnel of defense to offense. Correct. I, I agreed with you there. Um, and I want to clarify, week seven for the Colts, not week six. Yeah, week it's six coming out nine. of the bye. Yeah. Uh, Bears, right after that, Cardinals, Rams, Jags, Vikings, Seahawks, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans, Rams. Yeah, I, I think it's division guys, right? I think it's Arizona and the Rams are the two main ones I'm looking at, and then probably the Colts, um, because the Colts have some some very good skill players. Um, the one thing I will say about them is the 49ers can get their vertical run game going by then they will be able to take advantage of somebody like Buckner in the middle. 
Um, he's a little bit smaller. They're predicated on speed there in Indianapolis. They don't have the size on the inside. So if the 49ers get it moving on the inside with the inside zone and really get you know that run game going, they can go ahead and handle the Colts because then the Colts <clears throat> will have to bring one of those pop, um, safeties into the box, dedicate an extra defender, and the 49ers can go ahead and attack where Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance can both be successful in the pass game. Uh, through play action. So I think that that is the, one of the things, though, when you're looking at the way the 49ers are built and the way that Kyle Shanahan kind of changed that thought process, they can run right at teams like that. And then we know that Kyle Shanahan always does good against the Rams. It's all about stopping Aaron Donald. And thank God we got number 60, uh, the Aaron Donald stopper. Good old DB. He is the Aaron Donald stopper indeed. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd say <clears throat> the Rams is always a team just because Aaron Donald in that front, you're, you're always worried about the things that they can do and how they operate, right? Uh, and then the Colts, obviously, because they have very talented pass rushers. You got Buckner in there as well. Don't You cannot forget about Leonard back there in the, the linebacking core. Um, but a, a team, too, that I'm... I look at and and just I wonder the Titans have always the Titans have done a good job the last few years of being very stout up front uh, and serviceable. Um, they usually don't get beat heavily in the run game. They force teams to beat you over the top with the football, um, and it works out sometimes and it doesn't. I've seen a lot of people talking about how they feel this this Titans defense is a little bit better this year. I've seen people talking about that. I don't know if I'm convinced about that yet. Uh, this is actually a game where. Early on in the season, Ant, you know, I made my predictions, and this was one of the losses I have. The further we get close, like the closer we get to the season, I feel like I gave the Titans a little bit too much credit. Now, granted, that that rushing attack is vaunted. Um, they went out and got the receiving pieces that they did, right? So now they can definitely attack vertically, which is always a question with the 49ers in the secondary. Can they handle it? Can we stop the deep ball? That game may bode closer to being in the 49ers' favor than I wanted to give them credit for initially. I had it being a close game, but it was one of those games where the Niners were having a claw because of the running attack. What we've done with this D-line could shift a lot of the issues that I saw foresaw this team having. Um, th th this might not be the case anymore. It was all about how could those linebackers, the smaller, faster linebackers for the 49ers, handle Derrick Henry. Um, that was kind of the key matchup. When you add defensive linemen on the inside, that can help stop the run. If they stop Henry, then Ryan Tannehill is going to struggle because Ryan Tannehill can't win consistently from the pocket. He has to get outside the pocket. When you have 49ers um, edge pass rushers that can get after him, as long as they can keep him inside the pocket and then put pressure on him, if you get that interior push from that defensive line, push back into his face, he's going to make mistakes. You have an opportunity to win that game. I don't think it's as clear-cut as we thought it was back then. Um, I think the only thing is, is the time of the year it is and the short week. They're also traveling to Tennessee. Those things can play into it. We'll see how things are going and how health is also. We don't know what the health is going to be of each team. I but agree. definitely, uh, matchup-wise, the 49ers are more favorable now than they were before. Like I said, I think Arizona and the Rams are still posing the biggest threats to the 49ers defensively. Um, and really with the 49ers dual quarterback offense, so it could be mute because it could be really a struggle for anyone to figure out and pick up what they're trying to do. Agreed. Uh, and Justin Obi was talking about first round picks because we had talked about their the scouting department, how well the front office has done scouting. He wanted to bring us specifically first round picks prior to 2021. Ayuk, Kinlaw, Bosa, McGlinchey, Ruben Foster, and Solomon Thomas. We do a great job drafting later rounds, but have struggled in the first round. So, Ant, I went and got the receipts of first round draft picks. So, if we want to be fair, right, you can't really be looking at anything prior to Kyle Shanahan in this So 2017, yeah. So you have to start essentially from 2017. So from 2017 on, you have Solomon Thomas, Reuben Foster, McGlinchey, Bosa, Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and Trey Lance. Trey Lance, you kind of have to write off at the moment. 
right? Because you don't know. It's up in the air. You don't know. Brandon Ayuk was definitely a home run. It was definitely a hit. You came up and grabbed this guy at pick 25, end of the first round. He was definitely one of the better wide receivers in that draft class. Has definitely shown out some the better than some of those wide receivers and is sitting in line and position right now to be wide receiver one. Uh, Kinlaw is definitely trending up. I don't think that's a miss in any way, shape, or form. I know some people feel it is, not but yet, no. it's, it's not a miss at all. Nick Bosa is obviously a home run. And then this is where people start to get a little iffy and wish-washy, right? Mike McGlinchey, the name comes up, and people immediately go, you know, two different directions with this. This guy's great. This guy's trash. There is no middle ground for what this guy is. Um, and this guy is one of the best run-blocking tackles in all of football. Yeah. I feel that this is a major hit, seeing as right Kyle Shanahan built this entire offensive identity is about being able to run the football effectively it's all about circumstance after 2019 everyone would have said mike mcglinchey is you know worth the pick in the first round um after 2020 they say he's not because he had a struggle year a down year the offense wasn't as good the offense also wasn't operating the same way because the run game wasn't going to go well which he's very successful in the run game which ultimately makes him more successful in the pass game because then they run play action, they move the pocket, and he doesn't have to get into a straight kick slide where he's not the most successful. Where he's the most successful is when he can move laterally and they can move the pocket. Um, that allows him to be the most successful. They know that about Mike McGlinchey. They drafted him for a specific reason to fit a specific role in their offense. That's what they want from the right tackle. So I think he's a good pick. I think that was a solid pick. I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year, and I think everyone's going to come back around to the fact that, yeah, that was a great pick especially when he's going to be playing for $10.8 million next year, which is very, very nice for a player of his caliber. When you get into the year before that, and you get the Reuben Foster and the Solomon Thomas, the Solomon Thomas pick is still bad. Correct. It's still 100%. bad. 100%. Because he's a tweener, a guy that's in between playing that guard and, and I mean, sorry, playing the, the interior tackle and then the defensive end. Um, it, it's not a good pick. With Reuben Foster, Reuben Foster was very talented. He had all the ability to play on the field. The on-the-field issues is not there. It's the off-the-field issues. I don't think anyone expected him to just be this off as far as how he deals with his personal relationships and how those personal relationships you know, go with football. Um, I'm guessing that they talked to Nick Saban, and Nick Saban gave them the go-ahead on drafting Reuben Foster. They wouldn't have done it. You take chances, especially early in your regime because you're trying to get the most talented players on your football team. Fred Warner became who, who they thought um, he was going to be. Correct. Reuben Foster. And Reuben Foster didn't pan out. And imagine if he would have. You would have had those two guys interior together. It would have been fantastic. So I will say this. They definitely missed on one early on. Their very first pick that they made, they absolutely missed. Solomon Thomas is not a good pick. And I think it's heightened by the fact that all the great quarterbacks are around that they could have gotten. They did fleece the Bears to get a nice nice draft haul to drop back one spot and get Solomon Thomas. Absolutely. Um, which they used to help get Reuben Foster. But it ultimately didn't work out for them. And I think they've learned from their mistakes. And I think overall they've done a very good job, especially over the last few years. I, I agree. And look, that's my big thing is I feel that they've done a great job the last few seasons of moving that draft capital around in order to, to take people. But the reason why I wanted to talk about this specifically, Ant, is this was a thing that I was worried about when we made the move up, right? When we made the move up for Trey Lance and gave up all those first round picks, I'm sitting there worried because I felt like they'd done a really good job of drafting in that first round. However, what the 49ers have done even better than drafting in the first round is drafting later. So, you know, getting making sure that you get the quarterback you want now for the 49ers is more important than having those first round picks in the future years because, yes, we sacrificed those things to get this guy right now, but they've also demonstrated how absolutely incredible they are in those fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds with those picks and those selections. If you can hit on starters in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round, 
and one, you know, a couple of drafts for a couple of seasons, give up that first round pick, which if you're a team that's playing in a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl every year, is at the back end, end of the first round anyway. It's not going to have that much of an impact on you. Then it is what it is. You make the short-term sacrifice, right, in order to secure the guy that you need for the future at the quarterback position because you also have faith in your scouting department to hit on those guys at other positions later in the draft. Yeah, and they've had a lot of success in the second round as well. Um, they, they, they've been able to pick up players, and they have a you know picks in rounds two, three, four, five, and six coming up this year. The sixth round pick they got from the trade for Jonas Griffith. Um, so they've went ahead and I mean they've done what the you know the other teams in the division couldn't do. The Rams, the Seahawks, they've traded a lot of players away, um, and I mean a lot of draft picks away, and they don't have a lot to show for it. You know. Uh, the C- Seattle Seahawks make a big trade, and they end up with a good defensive end that sometimes is in coverage, and the 49ers end up with what could be a franchise quarterback. I think that's the difference. Um, so I, I'm, I'm okay with what the 49ers did, and I think also we got to remember at some point in this offseason, they're probably going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And when they do trade Jimmy Garoppolo, you're thinking it's probably going to be a second or third-round pick. If the 49ers walk away with two second-round picks, yeah, they lost their first-round pick this year, but two second-round picks, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth, I think we can all be very happy with their draft capital that they have going into that draft. Um, two second round picks can get you two very good players. It also affords you the opportunity, if you want to, to move back up into the late first round and make a selection there. Agreed with you there. Tom, hey, Tom Compton is the Jim Carrey in the bathroom and liar, liar. <laughs> That's quality. That's high quality there, Tommy. Thank I'm you for the. I'm kicking my own. I'm kicking my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful, Tommy, with the five dollars super chat. Jordan, Tommy fades back, shoots, swish, and that's the game. Yeah. Incredible five dollars super chat there, Tommy Huxley. That was absolutely incredible. Tom Compton has film of Jed getting a massage with Bob Kraft from Scott Broyles. See, that's funny because it's also a Patriots joke. And there is a Patriots fan in the chat, so ha, ha, ha. Um, ha you know what we're going to have to do, Alex? I think we're going to have to jump in at some point into the Tom Compton film and break down how this guy played throughout training camp of the preseason. Because I thought once he moved to right tackle, he didn't play that bad. You know what, Ant? We probably should do that. And where can they find that film breakdown when we put it out? Oh, it's going to be on Patreon. Oh, man. So, it's definitely going to yeah. be on Patreon. So if you want to get a look at all yeah. of that, Hop on over to Patreon, which speaking of Patreon, by the way, we got I got to plug this because we, we just put it out. If you if you decide to dive a little bit deeper in Patreon, other than just our seven dollar the catch package, which is our basic package, you get your all 22 film breakdowns with that. You get your big yikes. You get your wonderful and incredible, uh, you know, cut back in time episodes. If you dive a little bit further and you go with that MVP package at $10 or you go with the GOAT package at 16 you also get some Madden stuff. And we just put out our first, well, my first anyway, Madden breakdown. It's a draft highlight from my draft last you night. Fantasy breakdown. Fantasy breakdown, excuse me. Fantasy draft breakdown uh, of my draft last night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, took basically the two-hour draft that I recorded, cut it down into a nice little 20-minute montage of funny things, some bad picks, uh, and just funny moments from the draft overall and also giving you some insight into it as well but yes megan is megan you are correct big yikes is freaking hilarious it's probably the one of the most fun episodes we have filming and recording because it's less right about analyzing football in the game and more of just having a good time and laughing at people who are making some really really bad takes out there but also sometimes uh doubling quadrupling tripling un just completely unable to own the take right definitely definitely not their fault that they had the bad take it's someone else's yeah, it's, it's, it's 100% fun, and, that, and that's part of the fun is just getting out there. There's times 
um, to be serious, talking 49ers football, and there's time just to kind of kick back and laugh, and that's what Big Yikes is all about. And if you didn't get a chance to catch um, 49ers Cutback in Time, which is on Patreon exclusively now, um, go check it out. We talk about um, their owner, Tony uh, Marabito, um, who passed away during a football game. He had a heart attack, and the 49ers find out about it at halftime in 1957. It's a great story of how they react and respond and just about Tony Morabito as an owner and who he is. Um, it's a great episode. It's very enjoyable. From the people that have watched it, they've told me how much they like it. Um, so if, if you if you want to jump over to Patreon and check that out, you can. If not, of course, that's fine. We're glad you're here. Agreed, 100%. No matter how you choose to support the channel, whether it's liking the video, sharing it, no matter what it is, we appreciate it nonetheless because you're helping the community grow. And the bigger the cutback community gets, the more things that we're going to be able to do. So we really, really appreciate it. The Shannon Plan covers travel too from Gary. That is accurate. Um, these are some great questions here. James Vega talked about could the 49ers be – could the 49ers being the most travel team in this season this season hurt them in some way, shape, or form? And then also he also brings up the fact that it's twenty eight thousand miles that they'll be traveling this year. Yes, to a point, because they're not going back and forth in week one and two. Anytime that they're gonna be staying over there, I know they're staying in West Virginia um from week one to week two. That way they don't have as much travel. That's going to save them big time. But yeah, when you're traveling as a West Coast team to the East Coast consistently, especially when you're playing in early time slots, you have a problem. Um, because it usually struggled. Now, since the forty, since the forty ers got Jim Harbaugh, since those days, the forty ers have been better on the East Coast than they ever were before that. You know, I mean, they just were. They got really good there for a while. It was how they handled and managed sleep patterns and and when they needed to leave and all that stuff. So I think that they're going to be okay. But there's always something to keep in mind as um, you know a possible problem for the way that you're handling away games. Correct, and this is something that that Kyle Shanahan did. Um, this was done also right during the Harbaugh days before this, where they would travel across the country and then not have to travel all the way back. They'd you know, find a middle ground place to stay, whether it was in Ohio with the Yorks or whatever it ended up being. Um, they do a really great job of limiting the impact travel has on this team because they're aware of the, the physical toll it takes right to go across the country, fly across, get up, play, and then come back across and you know lose those three hours or gain those three hours additionally back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, three hours here, three hours back. Um, that, that, that's rough. That's really, really rough, man. I remember flying to Italy when I went to Italy um, for my exchange program for a month and getting over there and literally it's like a 14-hour time difference. I, I flew out on the 6th uh, at like 7 in the morning. I landed on the 6th at 6 in the morning over there. I, I know I was on a plane for 14 hours, and yet somehow the time is still the same. It took like four or five whole days to just get my body like into like a, hey, it's daytime. Hey, it's nighttime. It was absolutely rough at, at 17 years old at that time. Uh, back and forth traveling, you know, week in, week out like that for the NFL players. I'm just glad the Niners aren't having to go play in England. Right. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah, and thank God that they have opportunities. The times where they're travel to Arizona, which is a little over an hour, travel to L.A., which is very short. Um, you have all these situations where it's just not very, you know, very long. Even the Seattle trip is a couple hours. It's not that bad. Those are the opportunities you're you're going to be okay. So um, I think that there are some some challenges with this schedule, um, but I think that they're going to map it out well and they're going to be able to handle it. Very well, very true indeed. We're definitely not going to ban somebody before they ever come here to cut back crew. Come on now. Come on now. Uh, look, I, I'm just really excited about this. This leading into this preseason, not preseason game, but week one game against the uh, the Detroit Lions. And there's so many potential things. Someone had talked about and brought up earlier too about Penny Sewell, and I forget who it was. 
my apologies. I will try and scroll back through and give you some credit. Um, and they talked about how they had been hearing that Penny Sewell was having a really, really poor preseason. Um, and what we had thought about that, if we had watched any film, I wanted to give you first jab at it. I watched a little bit because I've started to kind of start getting into breaking down Detroit for, um, you know, what's coming up next week with our preview show and just being prepared for what they do. Um, so I can talk intelligently about Detroit Lions not and just the 49ers. Talk, you're not going to stand there and lift up your shirt and just blah, blah, blah and talk out uh, now? Definitely no. No okay. truffle shuffles for me. Thank goodness. Um, no, but I'm going to – I, I want to get into it a little bit more. But I did watch a little bit of Penisle, and it does seem that he's having some struggles. Um, he did have the year off where he opted out. Maybe that is coming up. You know, now the, the speed of the game is different. I think he's going to be in a world of hurt against the 49ers defensive linemen because they're going to bring it at, they're going to come at him every single day from all different angles or every single play from all different angles. And you're going to see different techniques and different skill sets from each player. You're going to have to deal with speed. He's going to have to deal with the bull rush. He's going to have to deal with both. Sometimes Uh, I do not, I do not envy this guy. And I feel sorry for Jared Goff because he thought he was going to avoid this by getting traded. And now he's not, they're right back into his kitchen continuously. And he's going to get smacked all game long. Because uh, Chris Kacarek is never going to pull off the the gas pedal, and this defensive line is going to unfortunately make Pinesol look like a very very limited rookie. Correct. And listen, I've watched a lot of Detroit Lions film, and you may be sitting there thinking, "Oh, because you were getting ready for week one of the pre uh, week one of the season, Alex." No, it's the opposite of that. Uh, trying to decide whether or not it's even worth targeting DeAndre Swift in fantasy football is the reason for that for me, uh, and it is not. It, it didn't look good in the in the preseason for Penny Sewell. Now, like you talked about, Ant, he did have an entire year off, so is that the reason why he's shaking the rust off? The problem is is that he was losing to, you know, second team, third team guys sometimes very, very badly, guys who were sixth-round picks this year in the draft and getting absolutely dominated by at times. He didn't lose every single battle, but he's losing more times than you want your 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 right your number one right tackle pick that's supposed to help solidify and sure up your offensive line play. Uh, you're hoping he doesn't struggle as much. And this is a guy who we thought was going to be a bona fide left tackle in the league. The fact that he's over there operating at right tackle and struggling, and then they're at times flipping him over and letting him get some run at left tackle as well and still struggling as well. Uh, I got I got questions. I'm not willing to write it off, but here's the thing. If he's having some concerns getting himself into gear and getting the rush shaken off, week one's not going to help him. Um, it's going to do the exact opposite. It's going to hurt him, and it's it's going to kill and crush that confidence a little bit. For Penny Sewell's sake, I hope, I hope he's able to bounce back, right, and get that confidence up and just get himself trending in the right direction. But the 49ers are going to make it darn near impossible for that to happen week one. It's trial by fire with him. Yep. It, it is. He, he's going to go out there, and he's going to have to battle, and he's going to have to you know, live up to those expectations. And unfortunately, he's going to struggle early on, and uh, that's just what's going to happen. Hopefully – um he, hopefully he bounces back because i actually really like pinesel i think he's a good player i think he's gonna have a successful nfl career um but he's in a bad situation on a bad team with a bad coach and i don't know how much is going to help him overall in that season and overall in the year but it's not going to help him in week one because he's going to get completely um exposed unfortunately for the rookie that he is agreed james vega can we just skip ahead to the lines game pretty please if there was a way for us to do it i haven't figured out with the infinity gauntlet how to go into the future yet um, we can cut back in time, but we can't cut back to the future. Um, it hasn't happened yet, so when we figure it out, maybe. Uh, but we're going to definitely keep that under wraps because we don't want to just let that power get out there to the ether for everybody uh, because then you're going to have people coming up with uh, crazy takes. You know, If Thanos actually gets a hold of the gauntlet, we may all be in trouble forever. We, we definitely don't want that. 
Um, there, there was some other great question. Caleb here had asked about the Madden League. Um, he wanted to know if PS4, PS5. As of right now, Caleb, everyone who signed up with the exception of you is PS5 based. What I haven't heard from everybody else is whether or not they have the capability to cross-platform and play the PS4 version on the PS5. So I'm figuring that out, so no worries, my guy. As soon as I know, I will let you know. I know tomorrow is the cutoff date, but we still have some time. We can be a little bit late on the, the Madden League because we can very quickly catch up to the regular season. Yeah, so I'm, not I'm too shocked early. that you guys can catch up. <laughs> what a surprise, yeah. right? What an absolute surprise. Uh, Kelsey Robinson here. The 49ers will be a tough out to any team on the schedule, although division games are going to be tough. Yes, I, I think that is when you're looking at the schedule, you're actually trying to find losses. Yes. Um, because you're looking at it and you're like, you know, they got to lose football games, so you find yourself, you know, looking for losses. Um, looking at it, you know, breaking it down now is a lot easier than it was when the when the schedules first came out, because now you know what the rosters look like and how these teams are constituted. Um, so taking another gander at that and what the the season the record could ultimately be could be a a fun thing to do because I think it's a, a different undertaking now that you know what the rosters look. Like. Correct. Call the 49ers poverty because we're all about to wreck Detroit. <laughs> Big yikes there, my <laughs> guy. Oh, my gosh. BV50. Uh, BV50 and Kelsey Robertson both with Drake Greenlaw questions. BV says, what happened to Greenlaw, linebacker from 2019? Right now he's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring, I believe. Uh, they said groin today. Groin? Okay. Or Kyle Shannon said yesterday. It's a little bit of a groin tightness. Okay. So he's dealing with groin tightness. Nothing too, too worrisome at the moment, but we'll see what happens with that. And Kelsey wanted to know, is Dre Greenlaw going to be a pro bowler this year? I think so. I, I think I think I think as long as Dre is healthy, he can make the Pro Bowl this year. He's showed great improvement and great advancement in his skills. I look forward to seeing what he does. Agreed with you there. I, I think he has done everything that he needs to do and needs to address. Um, you know, that he he's improved in coverage, which is hard to do because he was already pretty gosh darn good in coverage. Um, he's getting better at filling downhill and getting himself tackles closer to the line of scrimmage, tackles for loss, which you love to see. That's what you know, as a linebacker, that's how you can make some of your biggest impacts. Is blowing up plays early on and rather than you know being a guy who's sitting back there four or five yards deep trying to make tackles uh, so he's improved in that regard and he's always been a sure tackler what am i missing here and gary said they don't gotta lose football games that's true they, they do not gotta lose football games and they that's not what i'm all, saying they can just I'm, win all of them. what i'm saying is when you're predicting you're usually trying to find losses especially as somebody that thinks the Forters have an opportunity to win every game um you just don't think they're gonna lose so that's true yeah that's true um you know and and you can say, if Jay Hill were here right now, right, Jay Hill would be saying, that's because you guys are just homers. You're, fanboys. You're, you're just fanboys of the 49ers. <laughs> you know what, Jason? Maybe we are fanboys, and I'll, I'll wear that badge with honor. I'll wear it with honor. But you know what? At least I'm a fanboy who's being realistic about his team's chances because this defense— Fanboy and realistic. I like that. Listen, listen. you can be a fanboy but also be realistic about it. And, and I'm going to go that route because the reality of the situation is, is with this team— the way it's constituted, the way it's constructed, the way they've gone about addressing, you know, their identity. Um, yeah, they have they have ensured right that you can continue to be the team you're supposed to be, whether or not your star players are out there or whether they're not out there. Um, if Nick Bosa goes down, you have the depth at D line and D end now, where it's not the end of the it's not the end of the world. Is it going to hurt? Absolutely, it's going to hurt. But are you going to be unable to function? Are you going to go from a team right that has an elite defense? Who loses one key piece like if the rams were to lose aaron donald and your entire identity goes out the window because of how talented the one person is no and the niners proved that last year in 2019 without this level of depth yeah 100 percent. i seen megan ask which offense do you think will be tough if any for the 49ers defense this season 
I think it's going to be division teams that you're going to worry about the most. Uh, I think the Rams, especially if Matthew Stafford is healthy, that's going to be one. But also, you always got to worry about Seattle. Now, I think they do have weaknesses on the offensive line that can benefit the defense in a huge way. But you have to worry about Russ breaking containment, getting outside the pocket, being able to make plays down the field to DK Metcalf. Uh, DK is still a matchup problem. If Jason Breck can lock him down, um, then it then it's lights out. But I, I think that that is that is one of the big matchups that goes into it. But I think the 49ers ultimately, de- their defensive wise, their defense is better than the offenses that they're going to see. Correct. And I, I had to bring this up Ant, because that was it. Just started our Madden my Madden playthrough for for Patreon uh, for the 49ers this season, and. Uh, they, they, they actually have the 49ers defense rated lower than the offense. And it's a 79 is the 49ers defense. A 79 overall. I, I double took. I, I thought something was off. I went and checked the roster just to make sure. The, the roster, <laughs> the defense has more players rated 80 or above than the offense. and is somehow a 79. I don't know how their formula calculated that, but Madden is doing an absolutely incredible job of giving some props to the defense. They did course correct on K on, on Shark, though. Shark, Shark's rating went up, so Horst will be happy about that. Oh, well, that, that's all we needed then. <laughs> His rating to go up. His rating to go up, and now Horst has nothing to complain about. Yeah, so Madden and PFF on the rankings are kind of in the same I'm start, category. I'm starting to wonder if they that's who they talk to. It, it, a lot of their takes are the similar. A lot of the things Could that they, 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 uh, they do, I, I have a feeling whoever the Madden right creative directors over there, whoever the people are that are doing the stats and putting the, is all their big whole thing now, right, is the logistics of the game and how they use, you know, ASW, all this, all the fun stats to, to build the ratings and all this right. stuff. Uh, that person's probably subscribed to PFF. Well, I do know this about Madden. They use the seventh and eighth graders I used to work with at my job mm-hmm. for their graphics. Um, um, yeah, because if you've seen Trey Lance and you've seen Jalen Hurd on there. It's not good. Um, yeah. It's not. It's I not can't good. draw and I can draw that good. You think you could draw as good as that? Yeah, you know, Jay, Jay, Jalen Hurd and Trey Lance both looked like they were. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looked like a kindergartner scribbled scribbled a photo. It, like, it looks like one of those Trey. ones where you draw and you're like, "Who's that?" It's like, "Oh, that's Joe Montana." Oh, let's put it on the fridge. <laughs> let's put that one. That one goes. And you put it. You put it upside down. You, you do because you, you can't tell either way whether yeah. it's right side up or upside down. Uh, long time I spent. I read Seattle. Had an O-line player injured, was he a starter? I haven't heard that. I'll try and look it up. Who was it? Seattle. Did they have an O-lineman get hurt? Mm-hmm. Well, they have Dakota Shepley now. That's true, so they're all good. But they do have, what's his name, Dwayne Brown, who they still don't have signed. They're still right. trying to work that out. So they right now they have no left tackle. So I don't know how Russ is going to cook without you know left tackle, but hey. It's going to be interesting. I, I you know, in, in one of my, in Well, they my... signed their defensive end to the big money, so now they can get this done. It's funny because the defensive end is not a defensive end. And is in fact, uh, Are you sure? <laughs> say what? Are you sure he's not a defensive end? He's not supposed to be a defensive end. They say Jamal they, Adams. They say Jamal Adams safety. Yeah, so I'm I pretty know. sure. I'm mean, she's supposed to be like he's supposed to be a safety, yeah. but he plays like an edge rusher. Yeah, but Javon Kinlaw had more interceptions than him last year and touchdowns. Yeah, and he's an interior defensive lineman. It's so impressive. Yeah, that's not impressive. Well, it's impressive for Javon Kinlaw. For Kinlaw, but not for Jamal Adams. You paid all that money, traded all that draft capital, and you, and you get him for what, blitzing? That's about it. We drafted a guy in the fifth round that's going to be a better blitzer than you, Jamal Adams. What's up? And we don't have to pay him that much Say money. Say hello to Talano Hufanga. Talano and we don't, we don't have to pay him that much money, and we didn't give up a bunch of draft capital in order to accomplish And he has way more luscious hair. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. But Fort Niners fans do need to slow down on the Troy Polamalu stuff, though. 
Well, I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy thing, right? They I, work I together in the summer. He's got the long hair. He'll be doing head and shoulders commercials here in a couple of years as he's holding up the Lombardi. Oh, see, I went down that road. <laughs> <laughs> you took my, you took my 49ers fans slow down and then it went, went to a 50. I just had a little fun with it. Yeah. Just a little bit. No, we definitely need to slow down with the Troy Polamalu thing. Let this guy grow and develop. Let him be his own player. I agree with you there. Megan, are you guys excited for college football starting this weekend? Bingo, bango. Yes, I am. I, I am looking forward to it. Um, anytime I have an opportunity to watch college football, I will consume all of it. Anytime I have a time, I have a chance to watch any of this or any of this, I'm in it. Yeah, none of that. I don't know how good they're going to be this year. I'm a little, I'm well, a little worried about They're not as good since they stopped creating murders. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. They didn't create them. Okay, they, they were already that way. Yeah. Doesn't it get – look at all the good Tim Tebow has done. Aren't you allowed to have a few gun runners and guys killing people on your roster when you get Tim Tebow saving the world? Do you think – you picture your Tim Tebow in his 15 Gator jersey rolling down the street with all those guys surrounding him listening to, rolling with the devil. That's no. what it was like. No, that's not, yeah. not what I'm doing at all. He was all. in the company of sinners. Let's just say that. <laughs> and you might be accurate with that, uh, but I don't appreciate it at all whatsoever. You stop <laughs> – Stop tarnishing the legacy of the great Tim Tebow and quit throwing Urban Meyer under the bus. That's that's why he had the heart attack. Urban throws himself under the bus. That's accurate. That's, that's why the Jaguars had to release that statement this week about the COVID policies. <laughs> I don't know what Urban's doing sometimes, man. I swear. I swear. I just don't know what's happening sometimes with this guy. Is this oh, the year Pete Carroll gets fired? Megan. No. No way. And then Jaden Hellman, because he did. We missed this one earlier. He's asking about Marcel Harris. Um, he converted from safety to linebacker and did a pretty darn good job. What do you guys think? Yes. Um, Marcel Harris has done fantastic. You could see the development happen from early on in training camp when we went out there to watch practice till the end, and especially this last preseason game, where you've seen him feel more comfortable in run fits, um, being able to read inside the box a lot closer. But where he excels is in the coverage area, where he can decipher the pass combina route combinations, uh, figure out what the scheme is going to do and then be in the right positions and he was baiting running backs to catch the ball and then making great tackles out in the flat he adds an extra athletic um, dynamic um, to the linebacker room so that is a, it's a solid move plus he creates turnovers so i like it so anytime we can get marcel headers around the box it's always better we talked about this kind of last year we talked about maybe them playing him more and more in the box they converted him to complete linebacker and i think we're both in for it uh yes because he has improved in the, in the run fit situations uh, but this is a guy who's very comfortable operating in the box coverage wise, like you talked about, Ant. And this is this is just one of those things where it it made sense for them to make the move and try and make the shift with him. They they toyed around with it with the idea last year. Um, you know, there's there's questions about the linebacking room and where the depth is and who else is going to be there. And this is a guy that allows you to do a lot of different things with him. You can also still play in that safety mold and the safety role, and he understands right the schemes and coverages and the expectations of playing safety for this team um, and what you're supposed to be doing. So it just gives you a lot of depth. It gives you a lot of security at both the linebacker position and the safety position. And he becomes a very specific niche kind of linebacker for this team. You're going to utilize him. You can run, you know, four, three base down sets with Marcel Harris out there in case a team operates with a, you know, two tight end sets or have two talented uh, wide receiving tight ends. Right. Think about the Philadelphia Eagles, right? That game coming up, you have Zach Ertz, you still have Dallas Goddard, both guys on the roster, both guys who are probably going to utilize in a lot of those sets. We can roll a guy like Marcel Harris out there in those types of situations and still operate in your 4-3 set, but know that you have a guy who can go out there and do some things because 
let's face it, Zach Ertz is not the best blocking guy, so you don't have to worry about it as much with a guy like Marcel Harris out there, but you can put Marcel Harris in matchups that he can potentially win. And he can win because Ertz isn't as fast as he used to be. Mm-mm. He's not going to be able to get the separation, but Dre Greenlaw also, as he's also here, can also cover them as well. Though they've, they've done a very good job of making sure they have athletic guys that can make plays in the pass game. The question is going to be when they go against a big-time running back, can they stop them in the hole? We know Fred plays bigger than his size, but making and I think Dre's going to play even more wicked than he ever has before. Agreed. But it's the other guy, the Sam Backer. Can he step up and actually drive these guys back at the con- contact point? You know, actually get him going backwards and not have the fall forward yards. That is going to be interesting to see. Luckily, this defensive line is built to be able to keep def- our offensive linemen off of them, so the linebackers will be able to operate with a lot of space, be able to find their windows and then execute. Um, but it's going to be a long ways. I mean, it is going to be something interesting to watch. This linebacker group needs to develop a little bit more because Aziz hasn't been a straight uh, starter at the beginning of the season at any time in his career. So this will be the first time that we get to see this, Um, but I I think he'll be all right. I I agree with you there. Uh, (laughs) What are you drinking in that cup, Ant? Beverage. Is what he's drinking. Beverage. That's all you need to know. Actually, it's it's literally water. It it's is. it's agua. It is. Yeah, trying to you know be healthy and all that. Stuff. All that all that yeah. fun stuff. All that fun stuff. It's garbage. Wow, man! I can't yeah. believe you would do something like that. I can't yeah. believe you want to you know be around to do the podcast for years and years and I gotta, years. I got to drink gallons of gallon over a gallon of water a day. This is a joke. He's got to drink thousands of gallons of water each and every day. Look, I. I yeah, I, I like I like your beverage. I like your beverage choices, man. It's making me want to improve as well in that Ooh, area. Monica said horchata. I do love horchata. It's true. Um, but no, that, that I would probably I haven't had any sugar in a long time. Um, so I'm I'm guessing I would go ahead and have some sort of headache, migraine, or overall heart attack. Don't do that. But I used to go. I used to go get like giant. Don't you joke about gallon sized things of horchata? Why would you do that? Why, uh, why, would, why would you make it? Keeping it real, man. Making me worried. Are you worried that Skip Bayless is on the Trey Lance train considering the last two players he loved that match uh, that much was Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel? L- I mean, I don't ever look at a single person's takes and who they love and who they don't love and make that the determining factor as to why that person will or will not pan out. There were a lot of questions with Johnny Manziel that people chose to overlook and red flags. And you know what? That was their choice and it blew up in their face. Kyler Murray doesn't have those same issues that Johnny Manziel did. And, I mean, I wouldn't say Kyler Murray is a bust so far, but there are other concerns with Kyler Murray, right? Um, The size is the big thing. You know, his ability to diagnose and read defenses because of how short he is makes it very difficult when he got tall offensive linemen. Trey Lance doesn't have any of those qualities. He's not short. Uh, He doesn't have the off-field and antics stuff. He's highly intelligent, extremely high IQ guy. The only thing that, that Trey Lance doesn't have that the other two guys have was playing against high-level competition in college. That's it. I think the only thing that Trey Lance has going for him, too, is a completely different dynamic than the other two. The other two are short, fast, um, scramblers who roll around and, th- and through the ball, you know, out of weird positions. Uh, and Trey Lance is kind of built more of a prototypical, prototypical style quarterback with running ability. He's re- going to run to extend plays, not so much to just run around. Um, the one thing I'll say, though, is Kyler Murray is actually more accurate right now than Trey Lance. Trey Lance will get there, um, but Kyler Murray does have that going for him. But you're right, not being able to see over the offensive lineman, having to find windows, having to get outside the pocket so he can get the ball down the field are all struggles for him, struggles that Trey Lance is not going to have. He's going to have open windows. He's going to have clean pockets, and he's going to be able to drive the ball down the field. Um, so I, I think that 
Any other time I'd be nervous about Skip Bayless liking anything, uh, but he's going to be right at some point. But let's just let him be right about Trey Lance. Uh, I hope it is. I hope that's the reason why that that he's right, right? I hope that's uh, that's it indeed. And Scott, this is I didn't I, I saw this. Was it Scott or was it Brad? I think it was Scott. Oh my goodness, where did it go? Oh no, it was a Brad. It was Scott. I, I I'm blanking now. I can't find it. Someone had br- brought up and mentioned the Seattle Seahawks keeping eleven offensive linemen and and only four wide receivers. It was Scott. I need to try and verify if that's true. That's that's a little crazy if that's the case. Niners keep 11 defensive linemen. Seahawks keep 11 offensive linemen. Trying 11 to match on up. 11 football. <laughs> trying to um, match it up completely. They probably kept 11 because they don't have five good ones. They're still trying to figure out who's who. Dakota Shepley's <laughs> probably – Dakota Shepley will probably go in there and start because he's obviously better than that offensive line they've been putting together. Um, Mike Upati is finally gone. Boone is finally gone. Um, they're just running out of former 49ers offensive linemen that they can play. They'll probably sign Corbin Kafasi off the practice squad at some point. Um, I have no faith in Pete Carroll coming up with an offensive offensive line. I have no faith in Cable coaching that offensive line. Uh, so, yeah, that is a definite disadvantage for the Seahawks. But if they really kept 11 offensive linemen and four wide receivers, um, I mean, yeah, okay. Good, good luck with that. You're never going to play 11 guys, so that's very interesting. A lot of inactive players are going to be offensive linemen on game day. That's uh, just, yeah, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll have to look into that and dive a little bit more to that. Megan, are you going to do a wow that's bold for the season? No. 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 Not happening. Nice try, though. Um, what is Jaden asking? Jaden, also, Elijah Mitchell has been pretty good for at least, uh, for at least from what I've heard. Um, what do you guys think about Elijah Mitchell so far? Um, look, I, I, I think... I think that he's doing just fine. I think he's there hasn't been a lot, right? We haven't got to see him in game action. We watched him in practice. In practice, he looked like one of the better vision backs. He found the hole, diagnosed, jump cutting, getting into open space, making big runs. I get it. It was against the second and third team, but he's a six round pick. He's a guy that you picked at the back end of the draft. You don't expect this guy to come out and blow you out of the water, or at least you don't think he's going to. So the fact that he was showing the vision in in training camp, right, in the preseason practices. I like that. He showed flashes in the kick return game, which is something he's never done before. I think he's trending in the right direction. Do I expect him to, to be a world beater right now? No. Do I think this guy could develop into something in a couple of years? Absolutely. It fits the offensive system, and yep. that's the key. You want to get a player that fits the system. He's a slasher. He's a one-cut-and-go guy. He gets up the field. He gets his shoulders turned. Uh, he gets going downhill, and then he can finish runs. You've seen how physical he can get. He's a great pass catcher. All these things lend me to believe that he's going to be a fantastic player for the 49ers. I'm not saying go out and buy that number 25 jersey today because he did change his number from 40, 49 to 25, just in case anyone was wondering. No, that's not early Jimmy Ward. No, that's not Richard Sherman. That is, in fact, Elijah Mitchell. He's going to be out there tearing it up. According to his running back room, 49 was just not going to cut it. Um, looked like a bad fullback. So he's, <laughs> he's going to be out there getting it done in number 25. I and I think people that. are going to be very excited and happy with his progress. He's going to make big plays in the kick return game, and then eventually that will translate to the field where he'll get more and more snaps. But I like him a lot. I agree with you. I, I like him a lot as well. I'm a big fan of the things he's done. Matt Burgos, Lance, injury update, thoughts? Sorry if you already talked about it. You just got here, Matt. No worries. Yeah, so he's got the the, the brace that you can go get from Walgreen for, you know, four ninety nine on his finger. A couple bucks. And it's, it's taped up, and um, he's got a little chip in the finger, but he should be good to go. He's supposed to be ready to go by Monday. If I had to guess, I, 
I would guess he doesn't do any taking any snaps or anything until Wednesday when they start putting in the practice play. That's uh, that's very accurate indeed. Megan Law, Ant, hopefully 14 doesn't change his number. Not only is 14 not changing his number, Ant has an announcement to make, don't you, Ant? Oh, yeah. The Jalen Hurd jersey is on its way. It has been ordered. I purchased it earlier today. Um, felt confident about Jalen Hurd wearing number 14. Nike decided they were going to just go ahead and put it in my feed. Apparently, I talk about Jalen Hurd too much. Um, so I went ahead and, and purchased it. So it will be here in three to seven business days. Three to seven. And then hopefully, hopefully I will wear it when we have the reaction show to the Detroit game. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, is, is there a criteria for that? Or is it just well, he no matter dr- what? He, he better dress. That's, it, that's it, what I mean. What if he doesn't dress? Are we saving it for we'll, first game we'll, occasion? We'll save it for this first time that he makes big plays because it's going to happen. Okay. All right. But like, it, the like jersey it. is on its way. It's coming. Okay. 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 Yeah. All, right, all, right, all right. I see you. I see you, Ant. We didn't get that far with our discussion before this, so I'm excited now. Yeah. Uh, Matt Burgos asked, do you guys think Lance and Jimmy G split any time on the field? Well, apparently Matt Burgos hasn't been watching a lot of the stuff on the Shannon plan because that's exactly what we think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're going to be rotating these guys in and out a lot all season long. Yeah, they are. In the last preseason game against the Raiders, they really went in and out. Didn't matter what play, you know, what yardage, um, down and distance, none of that mattered. All it was was them going in and out, depending on what Kyle Shannon wanted to show, the look-wise of the formation with the personnel grouping. And it was very successful for two drives. Um, Both of them led to touchdowns. One, a touchdown run by Jimmy Garoppolo on a a fourth and one from the goal line, and the other one from Trey Lance on a run um, where he ran outside on a little read option that they ran Jalen Hurd on a fake, which got every single linebacker's eyes, a fake to Trey Sermon up the middle, and then he ran behind Trey Sermon and the running back, Josh Hockett, and got up the field and got to the end zone. So um, both of them are nice. The 49ers use both guys to execute, and that's what they're going to continue to do. It's only because I love you so very, very much, Matt. That's the only reason. Uh, Brad Jones, who do you guys think our captains are going to be? Um, Kittle, obviously, going to be going to be one, as is Fred Warner, for sure. Uh, the captains on this football team are those two for sure. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will be another one. Uh, and then I don't know who else off of that. Maybe a Jason Verrett or a Jimmy Ward. I would think it would be Jimmy Ward at that point. Somebody in the secondary uh, makes sense. But all those guys are captains of this football team. Um, and well worth it. you know. And you've seen a lot of other guys step up too. Trent Williams has stepped up his game a lot this year as well. Thank you, Matthew. That was so very sweet of you. Uh, Megan, like the man love. Megan, that, uh, that, uh, that's a really bold take because Trey Lance wears five so I mean let, let's hope that that's not the case um that that five is a well, trash it, it, it's, means it, trash player. we got we got Jimmy Ward wearing one yep we got Jason Brett wearing two yep we got now got Jaquiski Tart wearing three and we Did, got, wait he actually made the change yeah. I didn't know that he made, yeah. I, I heard that but I didn't yeah. know that was official no it, he's three he's three and <laughs> number four is Emmanuel Mosley <laughs> the only one that couldn't be number five because Trey Lance has it is uh Kwan Williams <laughs> K1 Williams is 2-4, um, so that, that's what we got going on here. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, and 24 as the, the starting unit. Which is, for the, which is basically yeah. 6. Right? And Kyle Shanahan did say that as long as Tart makes it through practice next week healthy, he's the starting safety or, or trending towards the starting safety. Uh, agreed, and I would say that that's probably going to be the case, and yeah. I, I think he's going to be healthy. He's going to be just fine. He's going to be A-OK. Uh, Jaden, this is a great one here. Jennings is another favorite that he has. Got cut last year from this team. Now he's back. As a starter on the 53-man, now how will he do? I don't know if he's a starter. He's not a starting wide receiver on this football team. Not a starting wide receiver, um, but he's, he's going to contribute. Piece. He's going to contribute. He's going to be all six wideouts that the Niners kept are going to be in games playing and going to have a role and going to have success. Who it, Kyle brought up five active receivers for the game. Who gets left out? Jennings. This first game, Jennings. Yeah, it could be. If Jalen's healthy, then Jennings gets left out. If Jalen's not healthy, 
then Jennings plays and Jalen's on the inactive list. Um, but I, like I said, until next Wednesday, we won't have any idea what this is going to be. No, and, and it's going to be that way. This is, this is what I love, right? I love Kyle Shanahan just not giving anything away, mm -hmm. really messing with everybody. Who's the starting quarterback going to be, Kyle? Kyle, who's going to start? You can figure it out for yourselves. You don't need me to tell you. You're all grown-ups. You can figure it out. The problem is, is that the grown-ups aren't really grown-ups. They're children, and we're going to bicker about who the starting quarterback is or who the starters are or who the yeah. active players are going to be. Well, what they don't understand is Kyle is doing them a favor. Yes. Um, by leaving it up in the air, you can still talk about the same talking points you've been talking about all the whole time. You can keep talking about all of it. Um, we know who it's going to be. We've known for a long time. That's why it's not a big talking point for us. We've known for a long time Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the game. Trey Lance is going to come in and make plays. And you're going to use both of them in tandem because it's the best thing for your football team. Uh, when you wrap your head around it, it really does make 49 football a lot easier to, uh, to digest and enjoy. Um, and, that, and that's what we've been doing the whole time. And that's why when the Shannon plan was unveiled against the Raiders, it was exciting because we got to sit back and watch what we've been talking about look, you know, come to fruition, even to a further advancement than we had anticipated. I did not expect that that level yeah. of execution. It was, it was great. It was wonderful. And it proves that they've been practicing and they've been ready for this. So all those times they were going in and out of practice and we thought, man, well, the first, second team's coming in right after the first team. Now we understand what they were doing. Agreed. Megan, these are two great questions here. Who gets the first sack of the season for the 49ers? Who gets the first tutty of the season for the 49ers? I like what uh, James Vega said. He said it will be Bosa and Ford. So he's, he's got them meeting at Goff, um, if, if I understand that right. I would love that if they just met at Goff. Yeah, I would say it's going to be one of the edge pass rushers. And the fact you're going to get a super hype now. I'm going to say this. I do like what he said, but I'm going to somewhat disagree because here's why. Do I think Nick Bosa and, and Fred Warner are going to put the pressure on from the outside? Yes. And I know Goff is going to be super scared, but it's going to be Fred Warner that gets the first sack because he's going to get sent on a blitz up the middle. And with all that attention going to Armstead, Ford, Bosa, and Kenlaw, Fred Warner comes through scot-free, makes a sack on Goff. I would say yes. I would say that that is probably yeah. one of the more realistic things because it would be the thing that would be – it would come out of left field, right? Yeah. If you're a team prepping for this team, you're not thinking about Fred Warner being a, a significant pass rush threat with those four guys up front. So that could very well be the case. That could very well happen. Um, I would. I want it to be Samson Ebucom. I want it to be Samson Ebucom. I like that. And the reason I want it to be Samson Ebucom is because I want him to come out and right, stamp right on the season, right from the get-go – I'm I'm a presence. I'm here. Yeah. Just plant it firmly in everyone else's mind around the league. There's another name on the list to to start keeping track of and being wary of. Um, touchdown wise, though, first touchdown of the season. I my heart tells me right. My heart tells me that it's going to be Raheem Mostert. My brain is telling me it's going to be Debo Samuel. Ooh, okay. Because just just right the amount of ways he can be utilized, different things of that nature. If the Niners get that running game going in any sort of, you know, high clip early on in the game and get a couple of gash runs, um, they're going to run some sort of play action thing, get Debo across the middle of the field. He's going to be in a one-on-one -on -one situation, truck a dude, run through a t an arm tackle, and just take it to the house is, is my gut feeling. I like that. I think it's going to be a running back. I, I actually think it. I think it's going to be uh... – Trey Sermon. I okay. think Trey Sermon's going to finish around the goal line. I think you're going to get a situation where he's down there and he's just going to finish it up the middle uh, because I think they're going to try to set the tone for the season by going right after Detroit and really blowing them up the middle. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Luke Luna, is this true? Do I need to try and pull this thing up? San Francisco 49ers has a, a new video up right now 
Thumbnail saying Jalen heard a mistake slash bring back Pettis. Now, this is a clickbaity title because is he asking the question? Do they need to bring back Dante Pettis? And is it connected to Jalen Hurd being a mistake? Or is this like a, you know, the 49ers need to bring back Dante Pettis and Jalen Hurd is a, basically essentially a bust? Who put it up? San Francisco 49ers report. Oh, San Francisco 49ers report. Oh, well, that, that's chat sports, a lot of times it? people ask questions. So it's complete, complete question based. Somebody asks the questions and then that's how it goes. Um, there is a lot of negative things about Jalen Hurd. I think we should just wait until Jalen Hurd plays. Um, and then everyone can go get their number 14 jerseys like me and support them uh, because the herd train is coming, man. Just jump on the herd train. How quickly is the herd train going to get to the 49ers cutback shop? Man? I don't know, man. It, it, it's going to come at some point. You know, yeah, I might want to go over to the 49ers cutback shop and get ready because the herd train is going to be pulling through any time now at that stage. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, long time Niner fan. I like this first touchdown. And I like it. First touchdown. Javon Kinlaw gets another Ooh, one against Jared like Goff. Not only is I it like great, it. and I see Ve- James Vegas said Kittle. I did think of Kittle. Um, the one thing I will say about George Kittle though is he doesn't produce in the red zone very much in Kyle Shanahan's system. And I, the only reason I think that it's not going to be Kittle is I think they're really going to try to establish the run against Detroit and set the world on fire. If you remember right, in some of the earlier seasons, uh, 2019, 2020, to be specific. They establish a run early on in the season, early on in games, because then that helps their play action pass as they get later on in the season. Um, so they're going to do that. They're going to try to establish that early. Uh, agreed there. Uh, Jaden, this is an interesting Ooh, one here. Aaron the ba- herd business. I like the herd business. Caleb. It's, it's like the herd business. Yeah. But it's Jalen Herd inspired. like the it. Herd. Is there a picture of him with a suit? You can't tell me you can't, we can't Photoshop him? Oh, yeah. Throw some, some pixelated uh, glasses on him? Probably. All right, we'll, we'll get to work. We'll get to work. I like it. Uh, Jaden here. Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore, he doesn't feel as shown much. They still made the 53-man roster. Why did that happen? And will they contribute to the O-line at all? Here, You don't want them to have to contribute to the O-line play. You want your O-line to be healthy. So well, I'm going to preface it with that to start. And then I'll go, I'm half on board with you here. Aaron Banks didn't show a whole lot in terms of like the level of play that we were expecting, right? Because the expectation was maybe not from us, but from a lot of people was Aaron Banks is pushing Daniel Brunskill for the starting job. That was the narrative that was pushed out there. So if you, if Aaron Banks got drafted and that's what you believed, then yes, Aaron Banks under, underperformed. Here, however, was not the case. Right. We didn't think that Aaron Banks was going to be a guy who came in and started right away because we didn't feel he fit all the things necessary to have a lot of success early on in Kyle Shanahan's system. So when Aaron Banks started struggling, Yes, we were trying to come around to Aaron Banks competing and pushing with Daniel Brunskill, but when Aaron Banks started to struggle, it wasn't a surprise here on this channel. 49ers cutback group here, cutback crew, TCC, who's been around since, you know, way before draft, early into last season. When this started happening in camp and we were showing up and we were hearing things about Banks not doing well, we go to the first Levi's practice on Saturday and he gets absolutely mollywopped by Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst basically just put him in a body bag and drug him around the field and did whatever he wanted with him. Um, we weren't shocked by this because we thought Aaron Banks had some weaknesses, especially when it came to quick, right, lateral, fast-moving guys who get off quickly. And maybe not the the, the not the bull rushers, speed guys, speed guys on the inside. We're going to give Banks some problems, um, and and it showed. It showed in pass pro. So it wasn't a surprise when he started struggling, but he has definitely improved from that point in time till right now. And yes, he's dealing with a shoulder injury right now, which doesn't help. But you know what? He's going to be a okay. He's going to be just fine by the time we get to 2022. And Jalen Moore's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's been a lot of negative talk about Jalen Moore, but we saw him in person three different times, and he looked good every single time. One time, in fact, technique looked so flawless on one play, I thought it was Trent Williams. 
Uh, I looked over at Horst and I said, dude, was that Trent? He's, no, I think that's Jalen. And sure enough, it was. We could only see the seven on his jersey. Um, it, it was, it's, he's, he's coming around. Now, Jalen Moore is, is playing better than Aaron Banks. And Aaron Banks was your second-round pick. So the reason they're on the roster is you're not going to give up on a second and fifth-round pick in their first year. But especially Jalen Moore because he's been fantastic as a fifth-round pick. Aaron Banks, you just can't. There's too much draft capital to give up on a second-round pick in year one. Give him time to develop. You knew the lateral movement was going to be an issue when you drafted him. What you're trying to do is change a little bit of the funda- fundamentals of your offense as far as being able to run up the middle. Now you can do that with him once he gets the physicality. He has the physicality. He just needs to get the lateral movement. Expect them to change his body a little bit from year one to year two. Yes. I expect them to bring a, his weight down maybe five to ten pounds, somewhere in that range. I wouldn't even you know, be surprised if it's like eight. Um, get his weight down so he's a little bit more nimble, a little bit more quick. He'll work on that lateral movement and he'll improve. And once he does, then he'll be successful for the 49ers. Um, because they do have some decisions to make. You have Daniel Brunskill who's going to be a free agent next year. You have Lakin Thomas who's going to be a free agent next year. I think the plan ultimately is to have Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks fill those two roles um, if you have to, if if they're not ready, then you're going to re-sign those guys. But um, financially, it makes more sense if you can if you can go with young guys that you've drafted that can also change the way that you're playing on the inside. Tomlinson and Brunskill are good, um, but they're not as physical and as big as the other two guys are, which could change the dynamic of the offense where you have two big physical guys who can play with a lot of speed as well. Well, here's the thing, too, with both these guys being free agents as well that you have to consider and take into account if they have great years in this 49ers running, rushing attack is elite and they put great things out there on tape and statistically, right, hold up, don't give up a lot of pressures, a lot of sacks, hits on the quarterbacks, things of those nature, they're both going to be too expensive. Even if you part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo and free up all that additional cap space, right, you still have to be thinking long-term down the line of McGlinchey still potentially you need to resign after the 2022 season, right? Nick Bosa is going to need to get paid. Dre Greenlaw is going to be coming up at that point in time as well, as well as Jason Verrett. What are you going to do with your secondary? Can you roll with Diamondo Lenore going into his second year? Is Ombre Thomas going to have enough time to develop? There's still a lot of questions that if you can sure up some of those questions with O-line play on the interior next year with Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks, then you're going to be just fine. You're going to be A-OK. Yeah, and and just to be clear, I mean, I just want to make sure everyone knows that I have zero problems with the way George Kittle plays around the red zone. Um, it's just a lot of times Kyle Shanahan goes away from him because of the situation, right? You you realize who George Kittle is as a defense, and you're going to make sure you take him away. So that's what I'm saying. He's not very successful around the red zone. That is why. Um, where he is successful is blocking and doing all those things that he's asked of. So I have zero hate for George Kittle. In fact, George Kittle, my number one jersey that I ever bought, I still have that jersey. However, it doesn't fit me now um, for a good reason. But uh, I just wanted to make sure I was clear on that because I don't want I don't want anyone to think I'm throwing any George Kittle hate out there. No, there's there's no George Kittle hate here. Never. George Kittle is also just a little too dynamic to be. That's true. We literally have a shirt up on the cutback shop, and I'm wearing the George Kittle shirt. We're literally, literally, yeah. literally can't misconstrue it. Uh, no, but listen, this was a great stream, man. We all, what just happened? What Caleb, I just missed? Caleb's... If we win the Super Bowl, I'm going to need a 49ers Le Champion t-shirt. <laughs> no AEW references around here. Get that gu- get that garbage out of here. It, it get that pretty, trash. It is pretty funny, though, because it's Chris Jericho. So. I mean, it is. Watching yeah. is always a good time. Uh, look, uh, this was a great stream. We had a lot of fun with this. Um, but Ant, we got tons of great stuff still coming up. We got daily videos coming out to you tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. A lot of fun there. And also... Something to announce, we have our first ever members-only live stream coming to you immediately after Sunday's 11 a.m. premiere video. So literally, you can tune in 11 a.m. on Sunday, check that out, you can watch it, and then immediately after that, we will be going live, just a hangout session, 
with our channel members on this channel. So if you want to be a part of that, you want to ask some questions, find out a little bit more about us, right? The channel, you know, things about our growth, what we've been doing, you know, plans for the future, things of that nature. The channel member live stream that we're going to have Sunday immediately after our 11 a.m. video is going to give a lot of that and dive into that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we hope to see more of you in there than we already have. We already shouted out those eight members at the start of the uh, at the start of the live stream. We appreciate everyone who's coming by. Um, channel memberships is just one of the many ways on this channel that you can support us, help us continue to be able to put out this great content uh, and grow, right? Grow the content and the things that we're trying to do for you. Yeah, there's a lot of great ways to interact and, and be active. And we appreciate what people do on a daily basis. Um, people helping us promote for likes, um, you know, so, uh, asking for people to share the video, um, putting it out there on social media. We really do appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, and we, we really couldn't do it without everyone really helping us out. We really are the 49ers Cutback crew. It's exciting. I, I enjoy being you know involved in the premieres and stuff so we can see all the, the comments and content as everyone's talking to each other. I think that's the most rewarding part of the whole thing is getting to talk football with 49ers, football, uh, 49ers fans who love football and love 49ers football um, and then are intelligent about the game and really want to just get into the X's and O's and get into the players um, and really celebrate the team and uh, that's what's exciting about it, and we're going to have a lot of great conversations. So, yeah, if you feel compelled to become a channel member, do that and join us on the live stream. And if you don't, um, keep keep joining us the way that you've been joining us, and, and we're going to love it just the same because um, we appreciate everyone's impact and how they have it, um, whether it's just a, you know, a like and a view or if it's a comment, whatever it is, we appreciate it. Absolutely. And this channel started with us doing about two videos a week. Yeah. Right? Like it was me, you, Horace, doing two videos a week. No live streams, no nothing, just a couple of you know things. We're doing a game re a preview, a game recap, um, and maybe one other video during the week. We went from that to daily content and daily episodes. Uh, and now we're at a point, right, where there's more than just that. We're offering you even more than just the daily videos and the daily content. We put out two to three videos a week sometimes, or two to three videos a day on certain days, especially when the topics are hot, um, and we can get that stuff out to you. We're offering additional content as well on Patreon. Um, you know, channel members getting extra live streams and additional stuff. So we're going to continue to grow. And the best part is, is the growing isn't just going to stop right with the main channel. Like we're not going to just grow the Patreon and leave everything the same no, here or no, grow no. the channel membership stuff and leave everything the same here. No, everything that we're doing on these other platforms and with our merch and everything, like all of this stuff goes back into, you know, this, this community, this content and giving you even more than we're already doing now. Um, because the more we can give you guys, the, again, the bigger this community grows, the more fun conversations we get to have. And you and I, and all of us, we love football. Um, if we weren't doing this, we would be sitting on the couch just hanging out, talking, talking football, football anyway. Yeah. Um, so now we get to do it with even more people, which means even more perspectives uh, and even more ways to look at the game. And as coaches, there's nothing more fun than getting a, getting a different viewpoint of, of the same thing, right? The thing that you've been looking at for your entire life being able to see it through somebody else's lens, digest it, understand it, um, and then be able to utilize it yourself, right? Or at least understand that perspective and point of view so you know how to, how to not necessarily attack it in the sense of like go after it, but approach it. Yeah, and next week, next Thursday on our preview show, it'll be a live stream. It'll be the one-year anniversary of our first video um, you know, that we ever put out on YouTube that was actual True. video podcast. Um, so that is going to be a lot of fun. You do not want to miss that. It's an exciting time. There's a lot of things we throw your way. Who knows? Maybe we'll throw the old one out there again. Um, maybe the in maybe we can bring the intro back or something just for fun. Um, <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing all that stuff. So 
uh, it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. I'm glad that everyone is here and everyone's been on these uh, live streams. It's been exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to the 49ers season. I'm looking forward to everything that we're going to be bringing. Um, and just, you know, if you get an opportunity, like something like 49ers FaceTime, it, it, or I'm sorry, Face Off. Face Off. Um, you have the opportunity to go check it out. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, give Jay Hill some crud. He enjoys it. Um, he's on there and he's doing his thing and he's he's presenting his point of view on things. It's a lot of times opposite from what we are. And it's exciting. He's a good sport. He can take the heat. Um, go ahead and give it to him. He likes it. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of get different, you know, points of view on things. And that's what we're trying to make sure everyone understands. It doesn't matter what point of view you have. You're a 49ers fan and we enjoy it. Absolutely. We love it. We we really appreciate it, Jaden. Happy early birthday to you, my guy. Just kidding, by the way. It isn't my birthday. On, it, it is my birthday on Monday, though. Well, I'm glad that you weren't kidding about it not being your birthday. Uh, happy birthday, early birthday to you, sir. A cutback crew, we appreciate all the support. Thank you so much for everything that you all have been doing. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Join the cutback crew. They're lit. Every single live stream, every single premiere, they're out there in full force. It's a fun conversation. You won't want to miss any of it. Uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Tomorrow morning's video, 11 a.m., as well as Saturday, Sunday, and then members only. We'll see you Sunday after that premiere at 11 a.m. But until the next one, uh, oh, actually, we won't cut off that way, Ant. No. I think it's time for something else. Yeah, we need it. We need. To, you know what time it is, Alex. Let's chalk another one up. We need to chalk one. It's been, it's been a little bit. It has. It's been a little bit. We'll catch y'all tomorrow. <laughs> K and <-D> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.